Hello, and welcome to StarkCast. I am Joe Stark. And today is a show that's been quite a while in the making. (laughs) (laughs) I've got Jared Gafford on tonight. And, uh, you know, Jared and I have been trying to get this going for maybe three months or so. So (laughs) it's great to finally say, how you doing, man? (laughs) Yeah, how you doing? (laughs) It's it's great to finally be on here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. And um, uh, fortuitous timing, too. You know, you got some big stuff going on. Yeah, some pretty exciting things going on over the past couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so, you know, without giving any spoilers or anything away, uh, I lucked out and you were you were kind enough to let me read your new comic that just came out. Yeah. And, um, dude, I got to say, it's fantastic. And you should thank be, you so much. Yeah, absolutely, man. You should be very proud of yourself. I mean, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> it is very well earned. And, um, so, I mean, I, wow. I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about like kind of the process that got into it or? Sure. So Ren- the, the comic book is called Renegade. Um, it's, it, it's actually kind of an interesting story how it all started where, um, I met the artists on the book, Tyler, it's Tyler Souls and Sarah Dine, um, back in, I want to say 2014, um, like fall of 2014 and met them at a convention and just hit it off really quickly, like got along really well, just talked a lot. Um, and I really, really dug their art. Um, Tyler did the penciling and inking and then Sarah did the coloring. They had a um, kind of a art studio called Killustration Studios where they would kind of work together um, and, and do art. And they had a book called Hank Steiner, which was kind of – which is a book that they did together. And it was a, a kind of a uh, Frankenstein's monster, but if he was a monster detective hunting down other monsters. Uh, and it was a really interesting concept. And I, I picked up the book at the convention and really dug it, really loved the art style and everything. And uh, so when I – that was my actually the first convention that I had ever gone to was the, that fall of 2014. And it really – like got this bug in me like I really wanted to write a comic book but I had no idea what to write about um for me like my background in writing comes from like journalistic writing and then like songwriting so I had never tried to to re- I mean I had written short stories and stuff like that before but I had never even tried to write a comic book and I I read comics but there's a difference between reading a comic and writing a comic and so for months I was just like trying to come up with and uh, figure out what I wanted to do a comic book about and in like January, February of 2015, I had this really, really vivid, lucid dream and woke up the next morning and like wrote the whole dream down because I was like, this is crazy. I got to write this down. I got to tell my wife about this. And I at the time, I didn't think about using it as a comic book. I just like thought this is a crazy dream. I need to write this down. And I ended up telling the dream to a couple buddies of mine. And one of my buddies was like, dude, that would make a really sweet comic book. And I was like, huh, you know what? That might act, that could be fun. I could do something with that. 
And so basically what the dream was and and the dream was kind of the basis for the comic book. But the the actual comic changed and there's a lot of details that changed with it. But the dream was basically um, I was down in like this subway um, in some big city and there were these three thugs that came out of nowhere and were basically trying to rob everybody. And they had guns and and everybody was scared. And so everybody was like giving them their wallets and their phones and all this stuff. And uh, there were two other guys that were standing next to me. And we had the bright idea like, hey, I'm not going to let them just rob us. Let's take these guys out. So we started attacking these guys and we ended up taking their guns and opening fire on them but the bullets were just like going right through them and not, like they weren't phasing them at all and so then out of nowhere like this legion of people just like came out of this subway and the and they like turned into these like weird demon things and they just started like attacking and killing everybody in there and they ended up killing this little girl and this little girl like like melted into this puddle of blood and then and, and like disappeared into this puddle of blood and then rose up back out of the puddle of blood as like a grown woman and was like glowing like bright red it was like and it like reminded me very much of like the phoenix and and x-men wow. and and just like her powers and everything and sh- this little girl that was now a woman just like let out this power burst and disintegrated pretty much everybody except for these demons and so I disintegrated, but like my spirit was still there. So like I knew I was dead, but I was still seeing everything that was going on. And, and then I woke up. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Dude, that's a wild dream, <laughs> right? Do you, do you see why I felt like the need to write that down? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, so that was the dream. And, uh, I, I obviously when I was when I came to the, when I my buddy suggested doing this as a comic and I sat down and started working on it I was like all right well I can't really do the Phoenix thing because that's kind of taken by X Men like I I can't really do that so that part of it the the puddle of blood and all that stuff while it would have been a really cool visual is not part of my comic book um, but the first issue. Um, basically takes place in two time periods it takes place a year in the past and then it takes place in the present the present is in that subway with the main character um down there and and a lot of those similar events that happened in my dream happened in this first issue the flashbacks are actually kind of um a let you into the main character whose name is connor um let you into his past a little bit and how he got to being down in that subway and so, uh, yeah, it was. I started working on writing the comic in like I want to say March of 2015, and wrote no joke like probably 12 different drafts of that first issue, um, and just like kept editing it and kept. Uh, I had um, a good friend of mine whose name is Tim. Um, I had him kind of editing it for me. Like every time I would write a new page, I would send it to him and say, "Hey, what? How do you how do you feel about?" Because he he was an avid comic book reader, and I trusted his opinion on things. And um, he was he's a really intelligent guy, and and so uh, I just had him read all these pages, and he would give me tips like, "Well, this sounded a little unnatural, or this or that," and I would just kind of work on it a little bit. And then I ended up getting the full script written probably in about two months. And then 
sent that to um, a guy whose name is Travis McIntyre, who is um, one of the head guys at an in the indie publisher um, here in Michigan called Source Point Press. And just as a favor, like I, I wasn't I wasn't trying to push my book on on his publisher at all or anything. I just said, hey, um, I, I was friends with Travis and I was like, hey, um, just as a friend, would you mind looking over this script and, and giving me some feedback and, and kind of editing, editing it a little bit and and um, see if I can make this the best that it can possibly be? And he was like, yeah, dude, absolutely. So um, yeah, which is really, really cool. And I, I can't thank, I, I doubt he'll be listening to this, but I can't thank him enough um, for all the advice and support that, that he gave to me. Um, so we did that. So it, that was probably um, it was probably Juneish by this time after I'd kind of gotten the script cemented down and what I wanted it to be, and then at that point I was like, okay, I've got this comic script now. Now what do I do? Because I had never written a comic before. I didn't know like what the process was as far as like how do you find an artist? How do you work with an artist? Do you? Um, I did all this research about how um, do you pay an artist up front or do you work out some kind of a deal where they make something on the back end? Like what's the best way to do this? Yeah. And and what I found out and and just me like um, the way I am as a person is I I like to. Um, make sure that people are being compensated for the work that they do. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to pay an artist to do the work up front. I'm not going to I'm not going to try to work out some back end deal cuz who knows? I could sell 5 issues, I could sell 500 issues. You never know. Yeah. And and I want this person to be able to to get paid for it. And so I reached out to Tyler and Sarah who um who I had met at this point about a little less than a year prior. And said, "Hey Tyler, I really love your art. I've got this comic script that I've been working on for a couple months. Um, I would love to collaborate with you on this. Here's my script. Let me know what you think." And sent him the script, and he liked it. And so we started. We worked out um, a deal where I would basically pay him per page. So I would pay him, he would do a page. Then I would pay him, he would do a page. And we kind of did that. And the plan was to put together kind of a five-page preview. Uh, and and then after I got that five-page preview done, I was going to launch a Kickstarter to kind of raise the money. Because uh, paying an artist is, is not cheap. And <laughs> And and so um, and and every that that first five pages all came out of my pocket, and so uh, we decided that we were going to do this Kickstarter. So I launched the Kickstarter at the beginning of December of twenty six or of twenty fifteen. And it ran until January 2016, and I actually got it funded in six days, um, oh, which nice. was <laughs> was insane. And like I just I couldn't believe it, like me I, I i'm i'm a nobody you know like nobody's ever heard of me nobody knows how good of a writer or how bad of a writer nobody knows what kind of a writer i am nobody knows anything except i did have that five page preview as kind of like a proof of concept to be able to take to people and say hey here's the first five pages this is what this is what i'm doing um i hope you like it and i hope you'll you'll back the kickstarter and i just had an overwhelming amount of support with it um and people loved the five page preview and and people were were wanting more and so i ended up getting 97 backers which is insane to me and and maybe only half of them are people that i actually knew like half the people that backed the kickstarter one of my reward levels for my kickstarter was to have your name listed 
credited as a co-producer on the book. Uh-huh. So you'd get your name, get your name on the cover and you'd get your name on the inside credit sheet as a co, as a co-producer. And the guy, and it was a $250 reward. So not chump change at all. And the guy who backed it is somebody that I have never met before in my life. No idea who this guy is. And he said, you know what? I was just looking at the new comic um, comics that were featured on Kickstarter. I found yours. I liked what I saw and I decided to back it. And I was like, that's insane. Like you have no idea. You have no idea who I am. You have like no one like and for somebody that doesn't even know me to invest in my project that much was just like mind blowing to me. Um, but everybody that backed the Kickstarter was just uh, I am forever grateful. So we, we ended up back, uh, com- uh, funding it in about six days um, and ended up actually the the goal was fifteen hundred. And we ended up at the end of the campaign ended up uh, uh, right around 2000. Um, now Kickstarter takes a good chunk of that, um, for their fees and, and everything. Sure. Um, <laughs> but, but we, we ended the Kickstarter and Tyler and Sarah were married when I met them and were in, that's kind of why they were working together. Well, over the process of the Kickstarter and everything and, and coming into January and February, they ended up splitting. And so it's uh, threw a big wrench into everything. Like my, my plan was to have the Kickstarter done by January and to have the book finished and out to everybody by August of 2016. As you can see, it's uh, – almost july of 2017 and i'm just now finishing the book so um things didn't go exactly as planned um it was a really really rough split for the two of them and so it just kind of delayed things a lot and um tyler's a really good friend and sarah are really good friends of mine and so i was just you know what you guys focus on you um do your thing we'll we'll get back to the comic when we get back to it um so several months went by and then tyler started working on the book again we ended up getting the book finished probably around i want to say october of last year and then um sent it to sarah to have it colored she finished coloring it probably around um i want to say december january ish and then my problem was I didn't calculate – being my first Kickstarter, being my first comic, I didn't calculate the cost of what everything was going was gonna to cost properly. And so I ran out of money. So here I am with the art finished. I've got pencils, inks, and colors done, but I have no way to pay my letterer. And um, so I ended up uh, contacting the letterer and I was just like, hey, the book's done, but I just don't have the money – um, right now to to pay you i'm i'm gonna try to save up the money to be able to do that but i'm not sure when that's gonna happen well then um a really really good friend of mine named jeremiah lambert who is i've known for years and um he's a huge con uh convention artist he, he goes to about 30 conventions a year um i have you ever seen there was a he actually had a piece that went viral um that it was the realistic mario um, squashing the whatever those things are called. Um, have, have you seen that piece of art? I don't think I have. I'll have to look it up. That sounds okay. pretty cool. Like smashing like a Goomba? Yeah, smashing a Goomba. And it was like super bloody and gory. Oh, nice. And, <laughs> and it went viral. 
Um, and, and so he, and he, so he's a phenomenal artist and, but he's also a really good friend of mine. Every time he, there's a, uh, convention here in Grand Rapids called Grand Rapids Comic Con and he's, he's tabled at that for the past few years. And every time he comes here, he stays with me. Um, and we always hang out and have a good time. Well, he randomly messaged me, I want to say back in like February, Marchish of Marchish of this year and was like, Hey dude, how's Renegade coming along? And I was like, it's, it's pretty much at a standstill right now. The art's done, but I just don't have anybody to letter it. And he was like, you know what? I'll letter it for you. And I was like, Oh no way. And he was like, yeah, I'll do it for free. Oh, and nice. so, and, and Jeremiah is a phenomenal letterer. And so he has been, um, working on that for the past few months. And, um, about three, I want to say about three, four weeks ago, we finally finished all of the art on the book and started, just decided to start working on getting everything put together. And Jeremiah was absolutely amazing through this process. He helped me. Not only did he do the lettering, he also did a variant cover for the book, which his variant cover is super sick. Um, it's, I actually had prints made. Um, I, I've got three different prints, uh, like 11 by 17 prints for the book too. And his cover cover is one of those prints it's it's an awesome awesome um piece of art i'll have to show it to you um but he helped me with that he helped me actually put the book together as far as like um i didn't realize that when a comic book is actually printed it has to be printed in multiples of four pages so it has to be like four eight twelve sixteen uh 20 24 28 32 whatever because of the way that it's binded and put together yeah that makes so sense. so my comic with um the, one of the pages in it is a two-page spread with that my comic only came to 22 pages so we worked together and came up with this idea we put an uh, i wrote up an editorial that i put in the back of it which is basically just a big thank you to everybody um and then we had um an ad that was made for my podcast and then also pop culture leftovers is on there as well yeah i thought that ad and- page was pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, my, my buddy Andrew, who also did a variant, um, not one that I have printed yet. He, this is, his variant is very recent, but he, one of, but his variant was also turned into a, an 11 by 17 print that I do have. Um, but he actually did the ad page for that too, which was super awesome. Um, and then the, uh, I was actually able to get the books cheaper by like 20 cents less a book by just putting an ad for um, the the printer that I'm going through in there. So that's that's one of the pages as well. So we've been for the past like three weeks putting everything together. And la- this past week, the book was finished. So I've sent out all of the digital rewards to all the Kickstarter backers. And um, we sent the book to the printers and I just got the proof yesterday for the book and it's beautiful. And it's like the quality is phenomenal. And it was just like such a surreal experience, like holding a comic book in my hand and seeing my name on the cover of that. And then opening up that front page and seeing my full name as the writer of a comic book was just like, it was insane. Like I, I can't describe <laughs> any anything like that that I've ever felt that way about before. Like it, it was just like I, I'm, I come, I'm a musician. I come from a, a music past. I was in bands for many, many years and recorded songs and and put out EPs and stuff like that. And never, never any of none of those things ever felt as good as holding 
my comic book in my hand and just like looking at it and flipping the pages and being like, man, I made this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I can't crazy. imagine what an incredible feeling that would be. And I mean, oh, it's such a nice looking book too. And you know, <laughs> I mean, I read a, like a lot of different image titles, like images quickly become my favorite company. And oh, I, this would fit right in. I mean, this is totally an image book just waiting to have that little eye on there. <laughs> thank you so much like that's that's honestly like the highest praise i could possibly even think of is i mean that's my dream i i love dc and marvel i love superhero comics but i can't really see myself writing those things just because i've got my own ideas of things that i want to write about you know i don't want to feel like i have to write a certain character and so like when i so much fun to go off the beaten path Oh, totally. Uh, and it's so much fun to like be able to create your own characters and uh, and to be able to give them personalities and to be able to do really whatever you want with a book. And my dream is my I mean, one of my dreams is to one day have a book that's on image comics. It, it would be it would just be a dream come true. Um, and so to have you and I, I actually have I've had a couple other people um preview it recently and I've, I've gotten the same feedback from from other people um i actually had um i sent the book to a guy his name is john broglia i don't know if you've ever heard of him before mm-hmm. but um he's an artist who he's, he's had a few image books and i'm friends with him on facebook i never really talked to him before but i follow him i love his art um he's a f- fantastic artist and i i sent him a message and was just like hey dude i know you don't really know me and if you don't have time for this that's totally cool but i just finished my first comic book and i would really love to have the opinion of another creator who has done this before and who has done an image book and and has done creator own projects to read my book and give me some feedback and his his feedback was very very short but he just said hey man really good work um it, it, it's a great book i love the way that you had the main character wrestle with his demons both inner and outer um and he just he said really solid job and so just like hearing that that from like a fellow creator somebody who's like been in the industry and who's like doing big things was just like super like crazy to, to hear that. So, um, I'm, I'm so excited to, to get this book into people's hands. I should have the physical copies, um, hopefully in the next couple weeks. And, um, my first priority obviously is to get the rewards out to all the Kickstarter backers. Cause they've been waiting on this for about a year and a half now. Um, so that's going to be my first priority, but once I can get all that out, then I'll be, selling it to i'm, I'm going to try to get into some of my local comic shops i actually had one shop that i stopped at a couple weeks ago and i said hey just finished my comic and um would love to have you guys read it if you like it i would it would be really cool if you could carry it on your shelves and um and maybe see if i can sell some copies here and he was like oh yeah dude that definitely bring it bring in a copy oh, we'd love excellent. to read it um and and he actually was like uh, hey, do, do, would you like to do like a signing here? And I was like, are you for real? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he was like, yeah, we, we, we love to have um, local um, creators come in here and do signings and stuff. 
So September 9th or September 16th, one of those two dates. I can't remember which one um, we're doing. I think the 16th is what we're going with. But uh, me and the artist are, are going to be here at a local comic shop doing a, a big signing. And, oh, that's so uh, cool. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's insane. Like, I, I, I mean, I don't know what the outcome or what the turnout's going to be or anything, but it's just crazy that I'm like even to this point where I'm going to be sitting behind a table signing books for people that are buying my book. <laughs> and you know, like it's so surreal. So years ago, when you wake up from this crazy dream and you jot it all down and you start talking about it, would you have imagined that you would be on the other side of a signing table? Not even a little bit. No, it's it's crazy, dude. What an awesome journey. (laughs) Yeah, it's and it's been a long one. Like you you think about like your your big comic book creators. I mean, they're usually doing sometimes multiple books a month, let alone um, just one series that they're working on. And and even with that, they're putting out an issue each month. And so for me, like it's been two years instead of one month. (laughs) So it's been like (laughs) it's been such a long process. But to finally like be able to reach the finish line and be able to just like I said, just hold a finished product in my hand is just it's crazy. (laughs) And and you had to push for it and not give up, too, you know, so you had that perseverance (laughs) with it. And yeah, you should be very proud of it. It's it's great, man. man. Thanks, man. (laughs) I can't wait to buy a print copy for you and, and, you know, hopefully get it signed too. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. I'll be, I'll be signing every copy that I send out. So, um, the, the, the cool thing about the, uh, Kickstarter backers is anybody who backed the physical level of the Kickstarter will actually get an individually numbered, um, version of the of the comic so um they're gonna get like the there's there was two batches there was one through 25 and then 26 through 50 so they're gonna get um an issue that says one out of 50 and it's it's i mean it's gonna be and it's gonna be signed by both myself and the artist most of the books that i i'm am gonna be selling either to people online or whatever are gonna be signed by myself but me the the artist lives about an hour away from me so we're not we're not gonna be able to have um him sign every issue so the the kickstarter backers are getting something a little bit special where they're gonna get both signatures and they're gonna get those individually numbered um issues which is which is kind of cool so yeah yeah you know and they should get something extra because if it weren't for them this would have never you know this never would have come to fruition absolutely absolutely i can't kickstarter like kickstarter allowed this dream to come true without that i'd still probably be on page 11 (laughs) (laughs) of of just of just getting the art done um just just trying to pay it uh when i was working on that five page preview it was like one page a month like was what i could afford (laughs) so it was we started we started on that in like june and we didn't have the the five page preview done until like november so um it was it's it's been a long process man but it's it's exciting that it's it's finally and and the the feedback that i've gotten so far from people has been overwhelmingly positive and it's just been it's been crazy <laughs> yeah and you know coming from the you said you had mostly really a background in like journal journalism writing and um like short stories and stuff uh how did it how did writing a comic like format and stuff how did that differ um so when you're writing so journalism obviously you're writing like 
a three paragraph article about something. Uh, my journalistic background, I, I wrote sports. So I wrote it from high school into college. Um, and then I actually, um, it, for a short period of time, I, I've written for some like pop culture blogs, um, some, some good size websites, um, writing like comic book reviews and stuff like that. But, um, when you're doing that, it's very much like an opinion based, um, article that you're writing for the most part, uh, especially when you're writing reviews of comic books, I'm writing what I thought of the comic book as, as, as my review. So it's very, um, it's just a different style. Writing short stories is very much writing prose, so you have to describe everything. You have to the the sweat dripped down his brow and on his fr- and came. You know what I mean, like stuff yeah. like that. You have to describe that kind of stuff. And when you're writing a comic book, the art is there to show that. Yeah. So so you so it, it was it's really interesting where. Um, being my first comic, I didn't really know what to expect working with an artist. And in in over the past couple of years, what I've learned is that it really depends on who the artist is that you're working with, how you're going to write your script. So when um, with Tyler, for instance, Tyler's been doing this for ten years. He's he's a very experienced um, artist and creator, and has done comic books and things like this. And so um, I trusted him to be able to do his thing. So when I gave descriptions for what each panel was going to look like, I put in some detail, but I also just said, you know what, do your thing. Like, I want to see your vision for this. And, and so that's how it kind of worked with him. Sometimes artists like to receive super detailed notes. Like the guy was wearing a red shirt with a Nike sign that had a rip in the left sleeve and like, and and like really, really detailed stuff. Some, some artists like that because it just helps them know what to draw. Um, so it really depends on who you're working with. And then the, as far as writing the actual script and the dialogue and narration and things like that. I did a lot of research uh, and reading other comic creators' scripts and stuff. The, one of the big ones that I did was Gail Simone. Um, I, I looked into how she writes her scripts and um, just really took that and kind of used that as a format for, for how I started writing my scripts. And it's very much uh, – there's a lot of similarities between like writing a, a comic book script and writing like a TV show or a movie script. Um, the only difference is that the with a comic book, um, it tends to have less dialogue than like you would with like a TV show or something like that. Okay. Um, because you, you only have so many panels and you only have so much space where you can only fit so much in there, <laughs> you know. And for me, um, and this is just my personal preference, I have a really hard time reading really, really wordy comic books. I'd agree um, with that. And and so and it's one of the things like Jonathan Hickman. He's a phenomenal writer and, and I really do enjoy a lot of his stuff. But his stuff is so, so wordy that it's almost like it takes 35 minutes to read a single issue. And and sometimes I don't have 35 minutes to read a single issue. And so when I was working on writing my script, I wanted to write something that was going to flow well, that was going to be kind of a quick read. I don't know how, how long it took you to read this. When I read it, now keep in mind, I wrote it, so I probably read it faster than most people are reading it. <laughs> but it took me about 10 minutes to read through the first issue. Yeah. So to me, that's that's a solid 
amount of time to be able to to read an issue in is 10 to 15 minutes is like for me that's ideal that's that's how much time i want to spend on each issue <laughs> you know yeah totally. um, unless i'm unless I'm reading like a trade paperback or a graphic novel or something like that, where then, then, then that's a different mindset. But, um, yeah, writing the script, it just was just a lot of research on, um, formatting and stuff like that. Talking to other creators, asking people what they like to see in a script. Um, it's, it's really tough. I, I, one thing I did find is really tough to get people to read your script if they're like to edit it and stuff like that. It, it, Cause if they're not like invested in doing that for you, reading a script is really boring, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really is. It really is. Uh, and, and I've had friends send me scripts of things they're working on and stuff like that. And, and of course I want to support them. And so I'll read it and give them feedback. But reading a comic book script is just really, it's, it's kind of boring. Um, and so trying to um, to write a script that's not going to be boring was something that I really wanted to do. And, and you'll know because you read the first issue, but there's quite a few action sequences in there. Um, and that was that was honestly the most fun part for me to write was writing those action sequences and then going to my artist and saying, this is kind of what I want to do. Um, make this happen. And then just seeing what he comes up with. And just it was it's really fun. I, th- I think writing um writing action sequences and then writing like deep dialogue is something that I really enjoy doing. I'm not great at people tell me I'm funny all the time. And, and I think I'm a fairly funny person, but a lot of my humor is like built off of like circumstantial stuff. And so like <laughs> yeah. some, something will happen and then I'll say something funny. I'm not good at just coming up with straight humor and like writing humor. I'm not good at it at all. Like that's absolutely one of my weak points and something that I really want to work on. Um, and, and there's really not that much. There's like a couple, um, there's, there's a character, uh, in the book that is, um, is there for a little bit more of a lighter tone. And I think you'll remember in the, um, the past sequences, there's, there's the character there. Um, and he has, he has a couple quippy things that he says, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man, like writing comics is so much fun, but it's so much hard work. It's so like writing a song is so much easier than writing a comic dude. Like when I write a song, I pretty much write the song and that's the song. Like I don't, I don't, really edit it like maybe i'll change i'll tweak a lyric here or there and change something but really like when that song's written that song's written i'm not going back not going back and changing that <laughs> i i know um, what you mean there i i write lots of poetry pretty much just exclusively for my wife and and you know you go through that you know you sit down you write it you look it over a bunch of times and then yeah when it's done it's done yeah. but <laughs> you know i've also written a lot of short stories and those I would go back and agonize over. I, I remember just sitting and staring at a sentence and reading it over and over again and being like, can I write this a little differently? Is <laughs> is this where, is this where I want to put the comma? It's like, and then I'd be yeah. like, Oh my God, I'm getting bogged down on the silliest yeah. details with this. Mm-hmm. And you know, when it's yeah. something that you're really investing in, like a, like a project that you're planning on, you know, hopefully distributing to the masses, I could imagine that would just drive you mad after a while. Yeah. Like I said, I think I went through 12 different, drafts of this of a 22 page comic book it's you know it's not like it's it which is about 10 or 11 pages in a word document so it's not like it's that much that i'm that that i've got there but even so i i finalized that script in in 2015 and 
when we went to actually when I went to give the script to my letterer um, to to Jeremiah, I actually went back and reread the script and tweaked a few things, even like again, like just like maybe I could say maybe I could say this a little bit differently. And so there's actually like, but from my final script to the script that I gave to Jeremiah, there's even some changes between those. Um, just because I was going back and reading it, I had written that script in 2015. Here it is 2017. Like it's been a couple years. I'm, I've been a, a little bit removed from it. I was able to go back and kind of tweak that a little bit. So I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are. I like to think that the, the dialogue and everything felt natural and felt real. Like it was, I mean, it's a comic book. So there's a, 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 a an extent of like, fantasticism that's going to be there because it's it's a comic book but um i don't know i really i really try my best to make dialogue and and things sound like it would actually be something that somebody would say oh so totally and it read like that too it all felt very natural like thank you nothing can talk about <laughs> yeah, dude, <I> mean, <laughs> i'll sing this i'll sing i'll sing praises all day for renegade dude it was it was really good. <laughs> um, uh, but I mean, you know, again, like with, or not again, but with me just saying over and over again, it was really good. That's one of the hardest things about handing written work over to somebody and say, will you read this and tell me what you think? And mm-hmm. then it's like, in a way, you know, you're looking for constructive criticism, you know, at least in the, the conceptual phase, you know, now yeah. that you got the print in your hand, you know, so why didn't you do this or this? And it's like, oh, yeah. come on. <laughs> It's a little late yeah. for that, buddy. But, yeah. <laughs> but I, um, you know, in the past with stuff that I'd written, that was, was something I always ran into because it was mostly just friends, you know, I'd be bouncing stuff off of and you'd hand off a copy of something. You kind of wait with bated breath and be like, oh, okay. They, it's like, I, I appreciate you telling me it's good, but is, you know, what, what can be changed that would make it better? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, I think this is the case for most people, but I'm absolutely like my biggest critic and and I and part of that is cuz I'm a perfectionist and I I don't want if I'm going to put something out to the masses I want it to be the best that it can be and I want it to be a good representation of the abilities that I feel like I have but I mean uh, I the I don't know like even after getting these positive reviews, I'm still waiting for to, to for somebody that I've sent it to to come back and be like, "Dude, this sucks." <laughs> like I'm just like I'm waiting for it, and and that's that's like just I think that's a flaw of every creator is like there you can get 50 positive reviews and then there's that one bad one and and you you tend to focus on that. And so I've I've honestly I'm just trying to like be grateful and to be thankful for the response that I've gotten so far and just the support from everybody. Everybody in the army has just been like incredible. Um, I've been kind of posting my journey over the past month or so um, in the leftover army page and just everybody's support and everybody's excitement for wanting the book has just (laughs) been like super overwhelming. Like I, I wasn't expecting it and it's just, it's crazy, man. This community that we've got here with the army is just unreal. And, and it's super rare for it to be an online community and have everybody be yeah. so awesome. Mm-hmm. It's totally, yeah, it's pretty awesome. And, um, I had something I was going to, I totally, totally derailed. No, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um, um, uh, so 
you know, being that you kind of started with like a, a musical background, mm-hmm. you know, so you know you were probably into comics and stuff that whole time. But would you have ever imagined that you know you would kind of go towards the path of a comic creator? Or back then, did you think you know it's just nah, I'm just gonna you know music's gonna be the thing that's gonna take me forward? And kind of what was your journey from you know musician to comic creator? Yeah, um, I when I was making music, when I was playing music, I thought that was what my career was going to be. You know, like I was in um, bands that were, in my opinion, pretty talented bands, and not necessarily like I was probably the least talented person in in all of the bands that I was in. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, I was in the the local Grand Rapids, Michigan music scene for a solid five years, and played shows for huge national bands and i mean um got to to open for bands like secondhand serenade who had that song fall for you back in like 2009 which was like a billboard number one song and um got to got to play with some amazing local bands and um i just i really felt like you know what like Uh, So rewind a little bit. I grew up in the music industry. My dad was a radio DJ from even before I was born. Um, And so he was he was a radio DJ. And because of that, we moved a lot, because if you listen to the radio, you'll realize that um, radio shows don't stay around for more than a lot of radio shows don't stay around for a very long time. Um, There's a lot of rotation and and changes and things like that, moving from network to network and stuff. So my dad. had different jobs from being a DJ or radio DJ to being um, more of like a programming director to all these different things. And so I was always around music and because he worked for these radio stations, we would always get free tickets to go to concerts all the time. And so, and, and because he worked for the radio station, we'd be able to go backstage all the time. So like I grew up meeting bands and, 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 just being around music. And so even like to this day, like music is a huge part of my life. And, and so when I was about, I really was like 18. Um, I really started like focusing on music a little more, like right before I went to college, I was like, I want to play music more and started learning guitar again. I, I had learned guitar when I was like eight, nine years old. And then when we moved again, um, I I was taking lessons with a guy. And then when we moved, it just kind of, I never took lessons again. Um, so when I was like 18, I started playing guitar again and my voice was terrible at the time. It was super whiny and just uh, annoying. Um, and then I, um, when I went to college, my first semester, I was a journalism major and that was kind of, um, after that semester was over, I was like, I'm really tired of writing about girls volleyball. I could care less about girls volleyball, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Um, and, and so I, it was just boring to me. And so I changed my major and actually became a music major and was a, a vocal major for my second semester, um, my freshman year of college and sang in the cor- cor- chorale, um, sang opera songs and like, wow. uh, really, really just like really honed my voice down and really learned how to sing properly. And, once I did that and kind of learned those skills, then I took those skills and decided to play rock music. Um, so, so, I'd imagine you learned a lot to do an opera. Yes. Like for sure, like breathing methods and, um, 
how to how to not sing through my nose, how to sing um, through for, like from my my core, um, and just like all these different things, which which was great. But I hated singing opera music, dude. It was, <laughs> it was like I was I was learning how to sing songs in like Italian and like these different languages and stuff, and I had no idea what the songs were about. Um, and and I'm not very good at like speaking other languages because I I can't roll my tongue. I can't like do like the the different like inflections and things that you have to do when you're speaking different languages. Mm-hmm. I'm just not good at it. And so trying to do that while singing was like really difficult for me. Um, but, uh, so when I, so I ended up doing that my second semester of college and then I ended up flunking out of college and, um, came back home and decided to just start playing music. And so I started, um, playing like coffee shops and stuff like that. And then, um, worked my way up to actually playing at at some of the local music venues and opening for bigger bands and stuff like that. And then I, I was in, I was in two pretty good size, um, uh, pop rock bands. Uh, and they, they were a lot of fun and, and I love playing pop rock, pop punk music. It's, it's, um, it's just a blast. And so that's what I thought I was going to do with my life, man. I, I really thought that I was going to play music forever. And then, um, music kind of, ended up being my downfall and I got involved in some really, really horrible things. I was got involved in drugs and became an alcoholic and, um, was partying all the time and was cheating on my wife. And like, just, I was not a good person. Um, and, and so much temptation. And I mean, you were, you were in your young twenties. Yeah. I mean, I was 20, 21, 22. Yeah. Um, wow. And, and, and I mean, it's hard to resist at that level too, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was just not good and uh, we'll probably get to this later, but, um, I grew up in the church and then went away from God for a while and was just like, really like, like I said, like was a drug addict and and an alcoholic and a sex addict and just was like, just a really messed up, really, really messed up person. And so that's actually one of the reasons why I walked away from music was that I was like, this environment is not healthy for me. I'm going to lose everything that I love. I'm going to lose my family. I'm going to lose my, my wife. I'm going to lose the things that are most important to me if I keep going down this road. And, um, so that's why I walked away from music and I, I've made music since then. I, I released a single in May of last year. Um, it's the last thing that I've put out. Um, and I still, I still play music. I still play in my worship band at church and, um, things like that. And music is still a part of my life. But as far as like trying to do that as a profession, like I'm just, I'm older and I know better now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, um, it, it, I spent so much money over those years on equipment and, and, gigging and um driving all over the state and just all these different things that like it just wasn't worth it um investing your time too you know i mean oh yeah absolutely having to practice two times a week and 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 just yeah it was it was just the music business is just not a good place for me to be in (laughs) and so it seems like it could be an extremely hard place to or a, a hard business to be in and still devote the time that you know it sounds like you wanted to devote to your family yeah because it's one of those things where if you want to get good at it you got to hone the craft and the only way you can hone the craft is to get out there and do it 
and the, mm. to get out there and do it means you're going to be away. Yeah. Um, so back in 2013, um, <clears throat> and a lot of the army has probably already heard um, my story a little bit when I was on um, Scott Shooty's My Story podcast that he did yeah. um, that he was he was doing a while ago. But um, I ended up in the in the summer of 2013 checking myself into rehab after I had attempted suicide and failed. Um, I went out to a bar one night, got super wasted, went to a liquor store, got a fifth of Jameson and, uh, downed about 12 oxycodones and drank that entire fifth of whiskey and was just not expecting to wake up the next morning and, um, ended up waking up 18 hours later in my car. Like, how am I still alive? Yeah. This does, this, this doesn't make any sense. Like I should be dead right now. Like I even talking about it right now is just like it blows my mind. Like nobody should be able to live through that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just it, it's insane. And that's one part of the reason why I just like I can't to me, I can't deny that God is real is because something like that is just un um it's impossible. Like nobody should be able to survive that. <laughs> and the only thing that I can, the, the only conclusion that I can come to is just God was not done with me yet. And he had better, he had bigger plans for me in the future. So I woke up that next morning and was like, and to a, a barrage of text messages from my parents to friends to everybody, where are you? Where are you? Cause I didn't come home that night or anything. And, um, just off the grid for 18 hours. Yeah. And so I had a my buddy Ben um, who was who had just had a stint in rehab, and I told him what had happened, and he was like, "Dude, you need to go to rehab. This is not you, you just about died. Like this is not cool." Um, and so we talked for a little bit, and and I came to the conclusion that you know what, you're right. I I need to go to rehab and and get my life together. So I did. I went to rehab and. Um, I pretty much worked out everything that I needed to there. I, I mean, I was, I was able to, um, that, that night when I attempted suicide was the last time that I've had a drink. I haven't touched alcohol since then. It's been over four years now. Um, and thanks man. Um, same thing with drugs. Like I haven't done any, done any of that since then either. Um, so while I was in rehab was detoxing and going through all that and figuring out, um, the core of all my problems, and I had pretty much um, worked through everything except for like the infidelity and because um, that was something that I just didn't want to face. And so I, I worked through everything. I get out of rehab and I and when you're when you're in rehab, at least the facility that I was in, um, no technology was allowed. So like we weren't allowed to be online. We did, weren't allowed to have phones. We weren't allowed to have any of that stuff. And so I was disconnected from the outside world for a while while I was in there. And um, when I got out, I got my phone and um, got a and and um, while all this is happening, my wife and I had separate. So this is happening in like June. My wife and I had separated in like um, I want to say. May of that year. And so I had moved out. I was living with my parents at the time. We were separated. And I, and when you're in rehab, you, the only people that can visit you are people that you put on a list that's, that you say, these people can visit me. And if they're not on that list, then 
they can't visit you. And, and I was so, my wife and I were so just, the situation was so bad that I actually put her on a list of people I didn't want to be able to visit me. That's how, that's how bad things were. And, um, when I was in rehab, I had pretty much come to the conclusion that we were going to get divorced. Like that was where my head was at. So when I got out of rehab, I was like, you know what? Things are over. It's, it's time to, to move on to the next thing and get out of there and get a text message from my wife saying we need to talk. And everything else came out. So at this point, the only things that had really been public knowledge were the drugs and the alcohol, the infidelity and everything was still kind of a secret. And she ended – my wife ended up finding about all, finding out about all of that stuff. And we ended up having that night like a five-hour conversation of just going through everything and just what about this person? What about this person? And it was like the worst day of my life where um, – Things like she would ask me certain people that were our friends if I had hooked up with them and stuff like that, and like having to say yes to that, like yeah, that'd be so hard. It was that night I spent hours just bawling and crying my eyes out, and um, we got to the end of the conversation, and my wife pretty much said. Um, expect divorce papers by the end of next week. And so that week goes by and, and I'm expecting divorce papers and, um, it gets to that Friday and, uh, my wife says we need, we need to meet up so we can talk. And I'm thinking that she's wanting to meet up so she can give me the divorce papers. And we end up meeting up and she goes, I'm not divorcing you. God told me not to divorce you. He he said, I haven't given up on you, so why would you give up on Jared? And um, so she said, I'm, I'm not going to divorce you, but I'm not going to live with you. I don't want anything to do with you. Um, I, we're, we're done. And so I'm sitting there like, so now what do I do? Yeah. Like, like, if you're not going to divorce me, how am I going to like move on? And like, so are we just going to be like eternally separated and and that's just going to be the end of it? And so, um, I didn't know what to do at that point. And, uh, Ben, the guy who convinced me to go to rehab, um, invited me to go to, and at this time I'm like a super like heavy atheist, like didn't believe in God, didn't want anything to do with God, didn't want anything. So when, so when my wife is telling me, God told me to stay with you, I'm like, whatever like <laughs> like why that doesn't even make any sense like i cheated on you i was a drug a drug addict i was an alcoholic like why would god tell you to say that doesn't even make sense like that's not even logical um and and so ben my buddy that next week invited me to come to church with him and i was like dude i don't want to go to church with you like that's that's I, I, that's the last place that i want to be and he was like dude, we'll, we'll smoke in the car and we'll listen to metal music and we can just hang out and, um, go to church and then we can hang out afterwards and play video games or something. And I was like, fine, whatever, I'll come along. Um, and it was really just because I wanted to hang out with my buddy. That was about it. And he, we, I started going to that church with them and, um, the, the music was really good and the, the pastor was preaching really good. And I was like, you know what, this isn't too bad. And, and I just kind of started, I guess, opening up a little bit more to, to that and, um, ended up going there for a, a couple months and finally just hit this point where I was just like, 
I was thinking about everything that had happened. I was thinking about the suicide attempt and I was thinking about all of the mistakes that I had made. And I was thinking about where, where is my life going? And, um, and throughout this time, like while I was going to church, uh, my wife started coming to church with me. And that was the only time that I would see her during the week was she would come to church with me and then we'd go home and we started, um, talking more and more and kind of starting to work on our relationship. And I just hit this point where I was like, all right, God, if you're real, then like reveal yourself to me and, and, and make sense of all of this. And uh, my wife and I ended up getting together and just having a really good talk. And, um, she just kind of explained to me what she was feeling, what she was hearing God say. And, um, and it just like, it just clicked with me, like, especially the whole like suicide attempt thing where I was just like, there's gotta be an explanation for why I'm still alive. And the only thing that makes sense to me is that God wanted me here to do something. And I don't know what that is. I don't know where this is going, but, um, but I'm open to seeing what that is. And so I started going to church regularly and, and exploring my faith and, and seeing what this was, what this was really all about. And in that process, I ended up becoming a born again Christian. And, um, since then, like I've just been, I, God saved my life. And, and I'm, I realize that there are people that are listening to this that, um, are on all ends of the spectrum from believing in nothing to believing exactly the way that I believe. I know there's everybody there. But for me personally, it just, I, I can't not believe, you know, after everything that I've been through, after literally like, and, and, and my marriage to my wife to this day, like, Every day it gets better and better, and our marriage is better now than our relationship has been in the entire seven and a half, eight years that we've been together. And that's insane to to think that like after all the cheating that I did, all the drugs that I did, all the the alcohol, all of that stuff, that we could be better now than we were before all that is just mind-blowing. And the only thing that I can point to is just – the way that God can restore lives and the way that he can um, really just help you to get through like the hardest times. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much you, you want me to go into like my whole God talk. Cause I don't want to necessarily turn P I don't want people <laughs> to get to, I don't want people to get to this point in the podcast and be like, Oh, here we go again. Um, well, but I mean, it's something that I'm passionate about, and it's something that I believe with my whole heart, and um, it's it's it defines who I am. So, well, actually, that's something that I'd be really excited to talk about. Um, and you know, um, it's faith is just one of those things with me that that I see it in others, and I I find it inspiring in that I like when I see people's faith lead them in a positive direction. And then faith is also one of those things that I don't, I don't know whether if, if it's, I don't have it or if I, I just, I'm not capable of giving myself over to something that is not, is, is, I just, I don't know. I don't know how to do it. 
I, mm-hmm. I guess is what I mean. And and I've and like I really tried too because like when I was when when my wife and I first got married, she grew up Catholic and mm-hmm. I grew up kind of going to a Methodist Sunday school, but I was never baptized or anything. And so when we got married, we just found a non-denominational church because she was like, oh, I don't want to make you go through the whole, you know, RCIA thing. And then after we were married and we started, you know, discussing having children and stuff, she she said that, you know, that it really meant something more to her if, you know, we were going to be raising our kids in the church and then they're not going to see me participating in the Eucharist or anything like that. And, <laughs> and you know, I was, I was open to it. And so I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. let's, you know, let's do it. And... So I went and signed up for the RCIA, and they said that they do baptisms on the Easter vigil, and this was just after Easter. Mm-hmm. And so I went to every Sunday Mass for pretty much a year straight, and then when they'd hand out the Eucharist, I'd get together with the other RCIA candidates, and we'd go down to the basement of the church, and, and we'd you know talk about all that stuff. And you know discuss the New Testament, discuss the homily of the day, and and... And that I, that was always something that was very difficult for me because it was it was something that I was seeking, and I didn't mm-hmm. really understand it. But I was being asked to talk about it with people that I didn't know, and they were all incredibly warm, positive. I mean, the people in our parish were just—they were all wonderful people. I never got a negative vibe because I've heard some people say that they don't like going to church because they feel like it's a fashion show and people stand around and judge each other and stuff. And I never ever got that vibe. Mm-hmm. at the church I went to, but in the end, it just, it it never really stirred in my heart the way that, that I've heard other people talk about it. And so in the end, I've never been able to call myself an atheist because it's not that I don't believe in God. It's more mm-hmm. that I, I, I feel like I'm at like a, an intersection with a signpost that has all these different arrows <laughs> pointing in different directions. And there's, all sorts of different religions in the world. And then I start getting mm-hmm. hung up on it. Well, you know, if, if Christianity is the only the right one, then, you know, what about the fact that, you know, the Chinese culture is super ancient and it would have taken forever for Christian missionaries to get there. And then all of a sudden I realize that I'm getting bogged down in all these details that really don't matter. Because when, when I see the people that have faith, the type of faith that inspire me, like, like what you were talking about with it, it giving you strength and the way that I see the the my grandmother's faith uplifts her, um, you know, it, it doesn't seem like they're, like, I, I don't imagine that you sit and you get overly worried about the fact that, were there kangaroos on the ark? You know, that sort of just <laughs> silly stuff like that. And for whatever yeah. reason, I get hung up on those details. And then I'm cynical enough, too, that then I start thinking, well, what about the Council of Nicene, where they had these people that weren't even Christians that were deciding what was going to go in, and then they were just using this as a tool to control the masses. And it's like, in the end, am I just am I too cynical to accept religion? And I, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I, I did notice that when I would look at all these different religions— there were lots of, you know, similar notes that would come out in each one's, you know, lots of talk of being a good person, you know, doing unto others as you would like to be done unto yourself. And those are all the ways that I try and live my life. I try to not have a negative impact on people around me. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of live by the golden rule, or I try to. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. I mean, you know, as people, we, we can all do our best, but we will try, you know, try and fail. Mm-hmm. And yeah, 
I, for me, so I grew up in the church. I grew my my grandfather was a Wesleyan pastor for fifty odd years, and my other grandparents were worship pastors at their church for however many years. So I grew up in the church. I grew up going to Sunday school. I grew up in youth group. I grew up in all these different things, and um, it was one of those things where it was just kind of like that's what you do. Like, that's just kind of like that. That was part of our life. And um, I never really until I got to the point during those years where I was going through all that stuff that I was going through. I had never found a reason to doubt there was a God. And then when all of the stuff that I was going through was happening and um, my relationship was falling apart and I lost my job and just all of these things were, were spiraling out of control. That was where I really um, doubted everything and, and, and ended up coming to the conclusion that there were, that God was not real and that there were, if, if, if God was real, this stuff wouldn't be happening to me. And um, what I've learned since becoming a Christian again and, and really making that, um, personal to me, not something that my parents bestowed upon me, but something that's a personal choice that I've made is that religion, organized religion is something that is man-made. It's something that, and man is, um, imperfect. Men make mistakes. Men do things based off of motives. Men do make decisions that are based on selfish desires and that is there is a lot of that in the church there are there are churches that i've gone to that i would never go to again because it's it's against everything that i believe that jesus stands for and for me it's not about organized religion for a long time even when um when i was like when my faith was new i i didn't really i was going to church but i didn't really feel like i needed to go to church because I didn't really like what church – like part of the thing – the reasons why I turned away from the church was because of the way that I was treated by people in the church when I was going through the stuff that I was going through. Everybody abandoned me. It didn't fe- seem like anybody cared that I was not there anymore. Like it just – it wasn't good. And what I found is like there are churches that are like that. And it really – it breaks my heart when I hear people that have experiences where they go into a church and they feel like they're just being eyed down and they're just being judged for yeah. everything that they do. Because to me, that's not church. That's not what Jesus stood for. That's not what God is all about. And so when that – when I hear that, I think that's man. Like that's not God. And and to me, I can separate man's – actions from who God is now like I've gotten to a point in my relationship with God where um, I know I believe God is all good and I believe that the things that when bad things happen we live in a broken world and we live in a in a sinful world and and when bad things happen that's not God making those things happen I you know like that is in my opinion, that is Satan, and that is the the evil things of this world that are making that that is making that stuff happen. And I believe that everything ha- that God can take those negative things and He can work them and and 
bring good out of them. I, I can tell you story after story of people that have gone through just the most terrible things, um, miscarriages and people in their family dying and, and things like that, that seem like such horrible, awful things and cancer and, and all these different things. But the way that um, God has taken the people involved in those things and reshaped their lives and really um, brought a new sense of purpose to those people and, and, and maybe changed the way that they think about things and, and really made them realize that like our life on earth is very short in, in comparison to the rest of it. I mean, we live on this earth for 80 to a hundred years and then, I mean, in my opinion, then you've got eternity after that. And so I've seen really horrible things happen to people and the way that they've overcome those things through the strength of God and, and, and just made good things come out of those things. And for me, in my experience, I saw myself in the deepest, darkest hole and God took me out of that. And gave me a story that I can tell people, gave me a story that people can relate to, and then they can look at my life now and see the the, the person that I am today, which is – especially people who knew me back then and people who like are still in my life now and can see the difference in me between like who I was then and who I am today and they know that something has changed – and that thing is is God, and they can, and people say, well, you you are always, you're always so kind, and you're so positive, and you're you're this or you're that, and I'm like, that's not me, like that's God working through me. My I believe that the reason why I am on this earth is to show God's love to everybody. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're gay, straight, black, white, Mexican, uh, whatever. Like my job is to show you the love of God and to um, be kind to you and to care for you and to um, be your friend and to be your brother and to be your, to be the best um, example of who Jesus was to everybody else. And, and so that's what I try to do. That's how I try to live my life is to be, if, if somebody can look at me and say, there's something different about that person and I can show them and explain to them the reason that that is, and that's because God saved me and God loves me and God loves you too, then that's like, that's why I'm here. Like that's my, like people will go through, uh, there's how, how many books have been written about like how, what's your purpose in life? What are you here for? What, what's your goal while you're on earth? And for me, that's such a simple answer for me and it's to love people. And, and so when, to me, being a Christian is not about going to church at, uh, every Sunday morning. It's not about being a part of a, a Bible study. It's not about any of that stuff. To me, it's about a relationship with Jesus, and it's about showing God's love to everybody that I come in contact with. And if if I can, if somebody can, if I can have an interaction with somebody and they can leave that interaction feeling more loved than they did when they came into that interaction, then I feel like I'm doing my job. And you know, that's, and that's the, when I hear people describe their faith like that, that's, that's the way that I feel like it should be. And then does it, does it then bum you out 
when you see other people who are, you know, maybe trying to take, you know, certain parts of scripture and whatnot and like use it as a way to kind of beat down other people, like the way that you see people trying to legislate against gay marriage, because, Mm -hmm. you know, there's passages in the Bible that, you know, speak out against it or whatever. But I mean, does, does that sort of stuff bother you? Do you, do you feel like people should just be given free will? And in the end, it's not, it's, I mean, is it really man's job to police each other down to that tiniest detail to where you're just going to kind of more or less just cherry pick things out of the old Testament? I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, to me, so here's how I, I, I look at this. The Bible was written and, and the rules and everything that is in the Bible is intended for believers. It's intended for people that are Christians. So how can I sit here and and Billy, who is gay, is not a Christian, how can I expect him to follow the rules and laws of my beliefs? You know what I mean? Like he doesn't believe in the same God that I believe in, so why would he follow those rules? And why why should he be expected to follow those rules? Because he's not He's, he doesn't believe the same thing that I believe. And so I believe that – I, I mean I'm not a very political person, but I mean I believe that abortion is wrong. I believe that um, – to an ex- I believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, but I don't like – I don't judge anybody for – what they believe or what their um, lifestyle is or anything like that. If, if you read the Bible, Jesus loved on everybody. Jesus loved on, on tax collectors. He, he loved on prostitutes. He loved on um, thieves. He loved on like the lowest of the low people back in that time. And he hung out with them, but he didn't become them. There's a, there, there's a difference between like people, like I I hang out with a lot of people that some people would consider like people in the church would consider questionable people. Like why would you hang around those people? There's a difference between hanging around those people and being a light in the darkness and hanging around those people and becoming those people. Yeah. And for me and for me when when I was in the music scene, I was becoming the people that I was around. I was not I was not a light in the darkness. I was becoming part of that darkness and what i've learned as i'm growing in my faith and everything like that is that that's where we're supposed to be we're supposed to be in those places i i I, we're supposed to be at at heavy metal music festivals where there's people wearing shirts that say f you and and all this kind of stuff and and my job in that situation is to go in there and to love that person and tell them that they are loved and that they have a purpose in life and that they're important and that they're valued that's i'm supposed to be in in those situations and so yes it it is frustrating when um when people take scripture and they take it out of context and they use it for um Whatever they want to use it for. One of the things that um, the church that I've been going to recently, the the pastor there is such an amazing man and just um, so knowledgeable and just wise. And one of the things that he teaches is you have to read everything in its context. You can't sit there and say and take a verse 
and then pull that verse out and say, this is what that means, when in the context of what that verse is saying, that's not what it means at all. And so when I, when I read the Bible, when I, when I try to dig into God's word, I am trying to read it in the context for what it is and the context of what it's around and what it means. And then, and then I, I pray and I, and I ask God to reveal to me what he's trying to, to speak to me through that, through those verses, through whatever book in the Bible that I'm reading. And when people take those verses out of context and use them for negativity and they use them to belittle people and they use them to, to put people down, that's not, that's not who I believe God is. That's not who I believe Jesus was. And so, yes, that's frustrating. Do I let it offend me? For a long time, yeah, I really did. Something that I'm – as I'm learning and I'm growing is is it's hard for people to – it's getting harder for people to offend me because – or like why would I be offended by somebody rejecting me when it's not up to them to accept me? God has accepted me for who I am and God loves me for who I am and who he created me to be. So if somebody rejects me, why would that offend me? It, that person, it's not up to that person to accept me. Um, it's, it's, I already know who I am in God. I know who I was created to be. And that's all that matters. So somebody can somebody can be listening to this podcast right now and think that I'm just full of crap, and that's totally fine. If you think I'm full of crap, <laughs> good on, good on you. Like that that more power to you. But that doesn't take you're not you thinking I'm full of crap is not going to make me believe any less. It's not going to make me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, it, it's it's not about religion and it's not about going to church on Sunday it's about a relationship that I have with God and and it that's personal to me and and it's something that I'm passionate about and it's something that I if I can talk to that to anybody I talk about that with anybody I love to talk about that and and I'm I and I am so far from perfect I make mistakes all the time like I am like it, you're very I, humble. I, I realize. Well, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I I just I I realize that like I am a human being. I'm gonna make mistakes. I'm gonna I'm gonna screw up. I'm gonna do things. Um, but those mistakes that I make don't define who I am. The mistakes that I made back in in my past, the drinking and the drugs and the, the sex addiction and all that stuff. That is not who I am. The, that past does not define me. God is who defines me. And so that's just, I don't know, that's just kind of where I'm at. <laughs> and it, it really sounds like you live it by the idea of it and not by strictly adhering to just what these words say. Like you're, you're, Like you said that you're looking at scripture by the context of it and stuff. You know, it's like you're going... It's almost like you're not taking it like a black and white thing. Like it seems like some of the people that want to try and use it like as a club to beat down people around them that you know aren't living to the way that they feel the ideal is. And it, it seems like you're more taking it as you know this is it, it's it's it, it's it's more like you're taking it as you're you're allowing it to help you be a better person. 
Yeah, I mean, I I believe that the God the, the Bible is God breathed. I believe that, um, but I also believe that the Bible was written by men, and that men are imperfect. Like I keep saying, and so there. While I believe that God's word is full of truth, and I I believe that um, everything in the Bible has value and 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 has purpose and meaning um i i try my best to let when i when i'm spending time with god and i'm praying and and i'm going over these verses that i'm reading i try to let god speak to me and and tell me what um what he wants me to learn from it you know like not not just read it i think there are so many people that read the bible and they say that's what it says. That's what it means. Exactly. And and to me, I think there's been – dude, there's so many times like where I've read a verse and like six months later I go back and I read the verse and I learn something new every single time I read it because it doesn't mean one thing. It means, it means many things and God speaks through verses and speaks through his word in many different ways and and in many different situations there's a verse that's really been um that's really been hitting me lately um in matthew 11 that says he who has ears let him hear and it's something that it is is a really simple verse but i feel like there's so much depth there where it's like he who has ears let him hear what that means is when you read something when you hear something open your ears and really hear it think about it delve into it ponder it don't just like there's a difference between um like hearing something and letting it go in one ear and out the other and hearing it and actually like taking it and applying it to your life and doing something and that and i feel like that applies whether you're a christian or not what whatever your beliefs are when you're to when you're trying to be a better person and there's people in your life that are speaking truth into your life you can make a choice you can listen to those people and if someone's telling you hey you're drinking a little bit too much you can listen to that person and say you know what you're right i need to reassess my life and reassess the choices that i'm making or you can look at that person and say no i'm not i'm i'm just going to keep doing what i'm doing and so this verse, he who has ears, let him hear, has just been playing through my head like throughout the day, all day. Like anytime I'm having a deep conversation with somebody or talking to somebody about something, truly listening and, and really taking what they're saying and and letting it really affect me instead of just like zoning out or focusing on something else and um, – so I don't know. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I'm learning right now. Yeah, and you know, a lot of those bits of scripture like that, like that's a really that's a really deep sentence. Let let he who has ears listen. And you know, I mean, that's one of the things that I always enjoyed about going to church was because I'd kind of go deep on like the philosophy mm-hmm. under certain parts of scripture like that. So I totally get what you're saying there. And but yeah, when when you see people, you know, that want to strictly adhere to it, it just seems like that's the first step to fundamentalism. And mm-hmm. and when you, I think when you take anything to an extreme, 
you know, it's it's going to lead you to maybe a bad place because you're going to get so wrapped up in your idea that, you know, you're not seeing the forest for the trees. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a guy. His name is Todd White, and I would highly recommend anybody listening to this go check him out. Just search like Todd White on YouTube, um, and just watch one of his videos. This guy has changed my life in just the way that he um, the way the way that he approaches life, where he literally like he takes. God's he takes Jesus's teachings in the New Testament and in the way that he lived his life when he was on earth and just puts it in action more than anybody that I've ever seen and just the way that he loves on everybody and the the way that he is just such a like a light in the darkness for people um and whether whether you believe in God or not I think that there is something that can be learned from from any every single thing that he, every video that he's posted every podcast that he's done um and and joe i would i would i'll send you a video of of one of his um one of his messages that he gives and and i would i'm not trying to change your beliefs or or <laughs> anything like that no but well, for no, real, I'd like, take a look at it i mean i'm very open minded about all, you know all yeah i would i would say just like check it out with an open mind and just and that's all I that's all I've ever asked from people is to like have an open mind when you're when like especially when I'm talking to somebody who may be an atheist or who doesn't believe in god or something like that is just like have an open mind and and I will try to do the same you know um somebody I will always listen to what somebody else is going through and what somebody's um, beliefs are or backgrounds are or whatever. Like I, um, I care. I tried my best to truly care about people. I, I, I hate, um, I hate shallow relationships. I hate small talk. I hate, um, no, going I into I, mean about that, man. <laughs> I, I hate going into work and, and this happens at church too i mean this happens everywhere but i hate going somewhere and talking to somebody hey how's your week been oh my week's been pretty good how's your week been oh it's been pretty good what was the point of that conversation <laughs> nothing took place there there was the, the that relationship didn't grow at all there wasn't any depth to that whatsoever there it, it was it was pointless and I have, as I've gotten older, I used to, I used to be like, uh, like a really outgoing party person. Like I was like uh, super extroverted and, and, and always out there and talking to everybody. And, and, and since I've gotten older, I'm realizing more how much more introverted I am now, like in my age and, and how much more like I'd rather hang out with five people and really, really get to hang out with five people and get to hear how their lives are going, how their lives are really going, what's happening in their marriage, what's happening with their kids, what's happening with um, their relationships, what's happening in their life. Then go to a party with 30 people where, where I'm going to talk to 15 different people about how the lions are doing this season when I don't care about the lions at all. <laughs> Dude, so I can relate it, so much to that. I, I feel like yeah. the older I get, the more <laughs> introverted I am. Yeah, definitely. And I just 
I don't like going into big crowds now, which is weird because there's a lot of times where I put myself in big crowds, like going to comic conventions and stuff like that. But I just I to me, I would much rather hang out in like a smaller, intimate group setting um, than than be around a massive amount of people. It just it's not my thing anymore. <laughs> yeah, I totally know what you mean, man. Um, you know, I, uh, I can just relate to so much what you just said there. Cause when I was younger, I was like huge social B like as soon as I got a cell phone, it was, if it's a Friday night and I'm not hanging out with people, I'm making calls until I find somebody to hang out with. And if I don't <laughs> find somebody to hang out with, it's not going to be a good time. Yeah. And I am just so much the polar opposite of that now. Like I can have, mm-hmm. And and I don't know if it was from getting older or if it was just from experiences. You know, when when I was younger, like in high school, I was never much of a drinker, but I smoked a lot of pot during high school (laughs) and stuff. And and I never I was never much of a drinker because I never liked the taste of beer. And I've I've never been much for hard alcohol. Like I I can dabble a little bit, but as soon as I've had too much where it makes me feel sick, like I'm turned off of drinking for for quite a while after that. Yeah. And, and um but once I got out of high school and started like experimenting with psychedelics and then I had a lot of fun with mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. um it, I remember the summer of 2000 the summer of 2002 so it was actually going in early spring um ended up splitting like a huge bag of mushrooms with a friend and so like every weekend <laughs> it was I've, it was psychedelic still... time. I still remember getting chased by the hamburger helper glove. Oh my gosh, dude, you were deep if you saw that. Holy shit. Yes. <laughs> I, I, that I, was a crazy trip. I never saw anything like that. Like I think the most intense visuals I ever saw was one night I got off work late and I went to my buddy's house and he was the one that always had the hookup. And right when I walked in, he was like, dude, I just ate 16 hits. Oh my gosh. And I went, at once? And he's like, yeah, and he holds up like another one. Oh my goodness! It was you know, like a good sized little piece of paper that was, you know, had all it was all window paned out. It was like sixteen hits, and I'm like, you ate all of that? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I'll give it to you for free if you do it with me. I'm like, sixteen? I was like, no fucking way! And in my head, I'm like, they're gonna be fucking frying <laughs> eggs off your brain later, dude. What the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> and so I, I look at his roommates. I'm like, how much did you guys take? And they're like, we each took six. And I'm like, oh, that seems reasonable. And so I have fucking six hits at once. <laughs> and and yeah, we, we saw that dude go into a bad trip. And it was the first time I ever saw somebody have a bad trip. And it was it was freaky because I just watched him totally lose touch with what was real. And mm-hmm. you know, I'd, I'd never seen anybody take that much. And so we were all a little scared too. Cause we're like, dude, we don't, we're just trying to do everything we can to keep you calm. And he ended up coming out of it. And he, he said that he was fucked up for like three or four days. Oh, I met, I would imagine from it. But I mean, off the six I took, I had a blast, man. <laughs> I, I, I had like the best <laughs> vision. It was like everything I was looking at looked like it looked like I could see the cracks in reality and everything was covered in rainbows behind it. <laughs> like it was it was wild like if i'd look at yeah. like blinds or something like all the negative space in between each blind it, it looked like there was like just this rainbow pattern that was just going over and over you know everything was fluid and i i always really enjoyed that and then i took it way too far with mushrooms and one night i took i mean it was probably like nine to ten grams 
And, oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I went way too deep and and I got to that place that that I had seen my friend go to. <laughs> To where oh, I, I did the classic mistake. It was like, okay, I'm going to go off and I'm going to I'm gonna just go sleep this off. It's like, yeah, sure you are. You're going to fall asleep. <laughs> and so instead, like 20 minutes later, I come out of the back bedroom and I'm in my underwear and I'm walking around trying to hug people and I'm saying that I figured it all out. <laughs> and like, like, I was like, dude, you could just like bury me in the front yard and just dig me up in a few years. I'll be fine. <laughs> like, fucking totally crazy shit. And like, at the time it was... Um, like the the woman that I'm married to now at the time we were just dating and and you know we were off to a very rocky start at first because I just I wouldn't accept this the beginning of this relationship I was so worried that I was going to get my heart broken that I kept preemptively breaking her heart and I think mm. deep down I understood that that's what I was doing I was just being afraid to commit to you know a person that cared a, about me a lot and so mm-hmm. I'm in this state where it's like, I don't know what's real, but I know the one thing that I want to do is I want to call Lindsay and tell her how big of mistakes that I've been making. And and so it seemed like that was like the good thing that came out of that bad trip was the next morning when I was finally fucking normal <laughs> again, you know, because I mean, it was just mushrooms. It took a few hours to wear off. And then I just felt silly. I was like, was I really running around in my underwear? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's me when i'm that's me when i got really drunk because i would no. tend to take clothes off <laughs> i remember one of my friends being like you tried to hug me in your underwear it was not okay <laughs> <laughs> but, is that a gun in your underwear or are you just happy to see me <laughs> <laughs> but in in like i was always an introspective person but i felt like after that experience i became much more introspective and i became much more mm-hmm. aware of the fact that a lot of my life was very ego driven Mm. and, and I felt like that was a huge growing experience for me. Dude, we have a lot in common. Cause I, like when I was playing music and everything, I was so, such an egomaniac. Like I had such a big head and just thought that my stuff didn't stink and that I, everybody like I, I was the same way. I was like really big extrovert and was out there and partying all the time and was talking to everybody and um, just thought I was the coolest guy. And um, when I sobered up and kind of got my life together and just realized, you know what, like I'm an okay guy. Like, like I, I really would rather be by myself. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And, um, it, or, or be around people that I know actually care about me instead of being around people that are going to be fake, um, and, and act like my friend one minute and then talk about me behind my back the next. Yeah. And I just, I remember that next day though, I didn't have to work. And so I just went out in the woods and <laughs> dude, the, the, okay, this gets weird. So <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> I went out in the woods and I built a little hut out of sticks and then I covered it in grass and I went and I fished and I caught a fish and I cleaned it and I got a little fire going in the middle of this hut and I sat down in there and I ate my fish and I just contemplated everything that happened the night before and tried to process because like I couldn't wrap my dude I'm in at the time I was so uneducated like I the most I'd ever eaten out of mushrooms was like maybe I'd like eat a half an eighth. So an eighth would be like, what, like almost four grams. And so I'd eat two. And so like, Mm -hmm. I did so much more that I was convinced I was going to die. And so (laughs) like a big part of that bad trip was just this overwhelming sense of fear. 
for for quite a bit of i mean yeah i did lots of weird crazy shit running around like insane weird stuff to people but at the times mm-hmm. where i was just thinking like i was convinced i was going to die and i felt like the biggest loser that that my mom and dad were going to have to deal with the fact that their kid you know had a, a drug overdose and died from it and i just had all mm-hmm. of these regrets and so the next day i had to process all this because it's like i had spent so much of that night convinced that i was dead <laughs> yeah and then the next day is like i'm not i made it through it what Mm -hmm. what does this mean and then i really started thinking about it and just so much of my life at that time was just absolute bullshit and i was just existing is this this person that just indulged in all this look at me behavior like like i had a, a super loud stereo system in my car that would like rattle people's windows and stuff and then i started thinking i'm like is that who you want to be is that the image you want to put out to the world and mm-hmm. and like i really feel like that night really shattered my ego and then the next mm. day i started building myself back up and so yeah when i that next morning when i came out of the woods i felt like i had made like all these changes it, it, it was like it was like i had taken a look at all of my life and I, it was packaged in a way that i could see what the bullshit was Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, do I want to keep doing that or do I want to actually use this as a learning experience? Lose, use this as something that wasn't just, I mean, because it was a traumatizing event, but yeah. it was something that I was able to actually turn around into a positive event. And it was funny too, because I still had like well over a half ounce of mushrooms. And I remember I just gave them away. I was, mm-hmm. like, I was like, they're like, you seriously don't want these? These are like the best. And I was like, no. I was like, I've gotten all from that that I need. I don't need to do that anymore and frankly i don't want to because if it, it like i don't want to experience even a little part of that again mm-hmm. like it was so yeah. terrifying it, and at this point now it's been shit approaching half of my life ago mm-hmm. and so you know there's sometimes where i'm like eh, maybe it would be fun to giggle for two hours but it's like now i'm like oh, i got <laughs> kids and i got f- full-time job and all this shit yeah. <laughs> so it's like yeah. eh, maybe that part of my life is waved bye-bye but <laughs> well, yeah. you know, I but mean, that, obviously it has not, in a way, but I mean, that's not a, I mean, if I, something that I always find fascinating is like, I have conversations with people all the time. Well, not all the time, but I have conversations with people about, um, experiences that I've had where like I was super drunk or I was super high or different things like that. And it's weird to talk about them now because that's just, it feels like it was a different person. Like it, it literally feels like the person that I was then was somebody else, and I'm looking back on memories from somebody else's life, if that makes any sense at all. Um, it totally does. Where, like, I th- I think about the things that I did, and I'm like, did I really do those things? Like, I would never do those things now. <laughs> and like, like Exactly. I, You're fundamentally no, changed by those no events. No joke. No joke. When I was in my early twenties, everybody knew that if you got Jared drunk, he would get naked. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you're huge too. That had to have been terrifying. <laughs> like, holy shit! That big tall naked guy's running right at me. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Um, so it's just weird because like I'm not that person at all anymore. And just like having those, it, it's almost like 
they're, they're, the the memories aren't even clear. The memories are so hazy that it almost feels like, did that stuff really happen? Or am I just like misremembering it? Or like, um, it's, it's just weird. It just, it feels, like I said, it feels like I'm remembering memories from somebody else's past. Um, it's, it's a really weird thing. I, I can relate to that because I'm so far removed now from the person that I was in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That Same here. It's it's I'm 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 a fundamentally different person. Like totally. Like you know when when Shooty's always saying, you know, get off, you know, stay out of my yard. Like I'm that guy. Like I, I seriously Dude, I'm 27 <laughs> and I'm that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really <laughs> Because uh, like people will be like, oh, you know, when they find out the the I live in a small town and it's outside of Cedar Rapids, which is a pretty big city for Cedar for for Iowa, and so people yeah. are like, oh, you know, you live there, you know, do you know so and so? I'm like, I literally know the people who live across from me that I like, and the people who live behind me that I like, and all my other neighbors. I have nicknames that I've made up to, and I try not to talk to them. <laughs> and it's like I don't do it out of a space to be a bad person, but it's just. I've reached a point in my life where, you know, like I said, the older I get, the more introverted I am. It's like the most horrifying thing that can happen to me is for a knock to happen at my door. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. God, I got to go deal with somebody face to face. Like, what the? <laughs> like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think I've ever had I don't think I've ever said more than hello to any of my neighbors before. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Like, I'm all about like. When I get off work, I want to come home and I just want to like hang out with my wife. I don't need, I don't want to have to deal with uh, anybody else. I want to just be able to like do my thing and, and be able to hang out with the people that I love. And I, that's part of the reasons like, like I still get invited to parties and I'll go occasionally, but generally it's just to make an appearance, like to just like, say hi to the person that invited me, maybe talk to one person that I know at the party for like 20 minutes and then leave. Like, I just don't, I'm not, I like making new friends, but parties to me are not a good atmosphere to do that in. Cause you can't really like have a deep conversation with somebody at a party the way that you could at like, like for me, I love, and I don't know if you guys do this in Iowa, but, um, we we have bonfires pretty regularly where um, we'll either have them at our house or we'll go to somebody else who's having a bonfire, something like that, where we'll, we'll um, roast hot dogs, roast marshmallows, and just kind of hang out around the fire all night. And I don't know if that's just a Midwest thing or what, because I don't, because I don't really, because I don't really hear about like anybody else really doing that, like like other army members that are like around the country and other places. Yeah, I don't really hear. I have a really fire that, pit in my backyard that I use regularly. So do, yeah, so do we. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I like to do, is, like if someone invites me to a party, generally I'm going to say no. If someone invites me to a bonfire, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> I love. Um, yeah, I used to. We used to do those all wait, the time when just, I was younger. It's just so much more low key, and it's just more uh, uh, such a much more chill environment where you can really like like uh, we went to a bonfire last weekend um, for um, a newer friend of mine that I met at the church that we had been going to, and um, his friend Ben. And I had maybe said two words to his friend Ben um, up to this point. I knew who he was. He knew who I was, but we had never really spoken before. And the bonfire was me, my wife, my friend Ryan, and this guy Ben. 
and we just hung out for like three hours, just the four of us. Nice. Uh, well, there's, there's another guy named Ari there, but he left a little bit earlier. Um, but uh, it was just the four of us, and it was super low key, but it was a lot of fun. We talked about movies for like two hours. We talked about like um, what's your what's your favorite movie that you'll only watch once because you can't watch it more than once because it's just too emotional for you. And we talked about like oh, what wow. are your favorite favorite 80s movies and what are your favorite like we just talked about because we're all for like, well my wife's not a huge movie nut but the three of us guys were huge movie buffs and so we just talked about movies for forever and like you'd be surprised at how well you can get to know somebody just by talking about what kind of movies they like <laughs> well and also you know if you look you know electricity is still fairly new and so it's in our dna to sit around a fire and connect with people Mm-hmm. And so when you do that, I mean, it speaks to you on a genetic level that, you know, this yeah, is really, does. this is right. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I, I wish more people had access to that sort of stuff, you know, cause depending on where, where you live and what, like, like I couldn't ima- imagine like, like Rebecca Daling would be able to easily have a bonfire right. you know, because right. of where she lives, <laughs> you know, but, but she could, but fire would, the fire <laughs> patrol would get called. <laughs> <laughs> You'd go down she, under the local just, underpass and hang out with the bums that have her yeah, right. barrel. <laughs> she's just she's just got a little fire pit out on her patio of her apartment, just like putting logs in there, <laughs> roasting marshmallows. When I talked to her, that slayed me that she was like, "We can see like two stars." And I'm like, "What?" I'm like, oh, that's so sad. I can sit in my backyard and see all the stars. <laughs> yeah, that's something I love about where I live too. Is that. You know, I'm far enough away from Cedar Rapids that when when I look to the east, I can see the glow of it in the sky. But for the most part, I don't get too much light pollution where I'm at. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking so speaking of movies, because you and I haven't really talked too much about it, um, I'm going to ask you the question that we talked about. What's one movie that you have seen that you absolutely love, but that you probably will never watch again? Oh, there's definitely a handful of them. Um, And I can think of two of them for sure that I had the same feeling when I walked out of the movie theater. Okay. Where I was like, okay, that was a pretty good experience seeing that. It took me on an emotional ride that I don't ever want to go on again, though. And Mm -hmm. the first one was the first time I saw 8 Mile, the Eminem movie. Oh, really? I. Oh, I love Eight Mile. That's I, one, well, I, I watch that almost once a year. Um, for some reason, when I walked out of the theater, I was happy for the you know when he finishes out his his rap battle at the end and he comes out on top, and mm-hmm. then it's like he's got this one moment where where he won, and then otherwise throughout that entire film he's not winning, and even the yeah. moments where he has a little victory, it gets taken away from him. What are you talking about when he when he rap styles against or freestyles against Exhibit? That was awesome. <laughs> well, well, that part at the or <laughs> I don't know music well enough. Is that the guy that he went up against at the end? Where like no, that's the, that's the guy that he went up against when uh, outside of that factory. Oh yeah, that part was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> where there was like there was the chick rapper and then there was the Exhibit who used to do like the Pimp My Ride show. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do remember that because, like I said, I've only seen this movie once. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, and then he had the big triumphant moment at the end and then it's like he's feeling good and then it's like 
he just steps outside and it's like, okay, I had that moment. Now it's just back into my regular shitty life. And, and I was like that, this movie is so real. The way that it left me thinking is like this, this movie was just like, it's not a reality that, that I can relate to any part of, Mm -hmm. except for the fact that you just got to sit in this or, you know, walk it basically in this guy's shoes. And, and that's one of my things that no matter what it is, if I'm reading something, if I'm watching something, I empathize with characters to an extent to where I, I find that I just have to stay away from certain things because I don't like the emotional ride that it'll take me on. <laughs> yeah. and, and so that was like really kind of one of my first tastes of it, which is kind of funny to say that eight miles took you on that ride. <laughs> but the the one that like really actually made me feel gross was The Lovely Bones. Oh, I've never seen that one. Oh, man. that So The Lovely Bones, it's it, there's a little girl, and let's see, so she's got then like a younger sister and um they're they're living in this small town and a guy who lives down the street from him is like a serial killer that targets and kills children okay and so this is kind of being narrated if i'm remembering correctly it's maybe narrated by her or anyway she she dies right close to the beginning she gets targeted by the serial killer and dies but then she's still in the movie just kind of as a ghost and just like following around her family and seeing how all of it affected her, seeing, hmm. you know, how the investigation is going. And it's, it's just, I, I, I don't want to give away anything at the end of it, but I'll probably never watch it. So you can spoil it. It's been out for like 10 years. <laughs> yeah, it's been out for a long time. And so anyway, this guy, he has her, they never find her body, but they find like blood. And so basically this family, this family almost implodes. The mom, I, I'm pretty sure Rachel Weiss, you know the 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 woman that was mm-hmm. at, like Enemy at the Gates and the Mummy and stuff. Yeah. Um, she played the mom, and then I think it was Mark Wahlberg played the dad, and it might have been Dakota Fanning that was the main character. Yeah, I think you're right. And then, uh, is it Stan Tucci? Stanley Tucci, maybe. I don't know, the guy that played the serial killer, like, he was so believable and so creepy. I mean, he was an incredible... All the acting in this movie was great. And, mm-hmm. I mean, but it, for me, it was just too great because I just yeah. empathized with it so much. But then after this girl goes missing, the mom can't cope with it, and she just ups and leaves and, like, goes, like, to South America to just go, like, pick fruit for a while to be able to, like, get her head straight or whatever. And so it's just <laughs> the dad and then this the the other daughter that's left that's there and they're both dealing with the fact that, that she's gone and then she's watching her younger sister grow up and she sees her younger sister get her first kiss and then she's realizing I never even got to have mine and now my sister has you know surpassed where I was even at before I died and it's like her kind of coming to the realization that she needs to let go and just move on to the next thing and then when it's showing like the the killer and stuff and the fact that he gets away with it for so long and then the dad suspects him of it but there's nothing he can do to prove it and eventually like you know the killer gets rid of all of his trophies and you come to find out that her body has been in a safe down in his cellar this entire time i mean at the end of the movie there's like a sinkhole outside of town and he's he's worried that the police are going to come and check him out closer because he's gotten questioned a couple times and so he takes this safe and just takes out and dumps it in a sinkhole at the end. And she's just kind of there and she's more or less just having to be accepting the fact that, okay, nobody's ever going to find my body. 
And then there's like this little scene of comeuppance at the end where, he, where this serial killer is about to get someone else and he bites it, I think from like an icicle falling on him or something, you know, some fairly horrific way uh. to, to die. But I mean, it's like you wanted this guy to just, after you've seen what kind of monster this guy was, it was like, man, this is, this movie's, it just felt too real. It felt too, I just walked away feeling horrible <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and I just, I couldn't take it. And I, but I can't yeah. say that it's a bad movie because it's not. It took me on an emotional ride that, at the end of the day, I just didn't want to go on. Mm-hmm. And um, like when I heard, um, I, it might have been on a Tales from the Yard. I heard you and David Isaac talking about, um, oh, what movie was that? That with um, Manchester by the Sea. Yes, and you guys. That's were, that's one. That's one of the ones that I was going to tell you. Yeah, you were talking about how great it was, but at the same time, how horrible it made you feel, and I was like. Oh man, I, that that movie might be on my to don't list. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's 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 a, it's a beautiful beautiful movie, but it was just so real and it was so um just there's such a lack of hope through the majority of the movie and I I struggle with that when when there's just no um Nothing positive happening, um, but I mean Casey Affleck was amazing in it. Michelle Williams was amazing in it. The kid, I don't know what the actor's name was, he was phenomenal. I mean it's a it's a beautiful, amazing movie, but it's one of those movies that I'll probably never go back and watch again just because I experienced it once and and I don't think I need to again. Um, another movie, there the two other movies that are that kind of like that. Have you seen Gone Girl? No, and I've had several people tell me that I should watch it. It's an amazing movie, but it is incredibly dark. And it is twisted and um just crazy and and I'm not I don't want I won't talk about any of the details of it cuz I do think you should watch it, but when you watch it I think this is going to get added to that list for you where you're like, where you're like, I don't think I ever need to see that movie again. Um, it was weird. Cause I, when I went and saw it, I went and saw it. Um, I either saw it by myself or I saw it with a buddy of mine and, um, Emily, my wife wanted to see it. And after I watched it, I was like, I don't think I want to see this with you. Um, don't absolutely do not watch this movie with your wife. Um, <laughs> I will say that this is not a date movie at all. It's in fact, it's probably the worst kind of movie that you can watch on a date night. Um, it's just, it's so like the relationship is so messed up. Um, and it's just, it's really Rosamund Pike is the actress and she is just, just crazy um and ben affleck is crazy and like it's just it's a crazy crazy movie um but it's but it's it's i think it's david fincher is who did it um which he does notoriously dark and twisted movies anyways that's what i was just gonna say (laughs) um so i should have kind of expected it i guess i just the twists that happened in it i didn't expect it at all so um i'll just i'll leave it with that but the last one that um is kind of on that list for me is did you see don't breathe that came out last year no no i haven't seen that one yet but it, it it sounded pretty interesting so it's basically about these three um kids teenagers 
who who basically the the one kid his dad works for a home security company and so they start stealing the the security passwords to get into people's houses that are under this company and they just like rob them and so they'll like take money take jewelry take whatever and they um decide that they're going to well they they finally come to the decision that they're going to do one more um, robbery and then they're going to quit. But this last one is this ex um, military veteran who supposedly has like, I don't know what the amount was, but like $300,000 in a safe in his house. And so they um, break into this house and they think that it's empty and come to find out the guy is in the house and he ends up locking them in the house. And it's this, this whole movie about them trying to escape the house and it is really, really intense, and the ending is really just like I was emotionally drained <laughs> by the time by the time it was over. Um, and yeah, it was it was just one of those movies that I thought was a it was a great thriller of a movie. It was it was touted as a horror movie. I wouldn't necessarily call it a horror movie. It was more of like a suspense thriller. I mean, there's definitely some jump scare moments, but um, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't consider it a horror movie. But again, that's another movie that I think is a great movie. I think you should definitely check it out. But it's probably one that I won't be watching um, anytime in the near future. <laughs> My wife loves those those sorts of movies, and so I'll usually watch them with her. Mm-hmm. And um, she's she's usually the one that can talk me into watching those kinds of movies. But <laughs> I'm always a sucker for the storyline of you're trapped in this house. Yeah. And like, there's some movies that you would, they can probably be qualified as pretty horrible movies that I like way more than I should just because it has that motif. Like what? Uh, House on Haunted Hill. I've never seen it. <laughs> oh my God. It's, it, and like, uh, well, that movie's got like kind of a special place in my heart just because I, I saw that back in my days when I was doing lots of hallucinogens. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so the first time I ever saw it, it was just me. And my friend Nick and we were out at my mom and dad's cabin and he was like, oh my gosh, you got to watch this. And this was way back in the day to where it wasn't even on a DVD. It was on a VHS. And it's just me and him out in the middle of nowhere in this little cabin. And we're just watching this scary movie and I'm not into scary movies. And there was like a couple of the jump scares and that like seriously made my heart just stop. (laughs) (laughs) And then like the next day I'm like, I think that was only that interesting just because I was that in that weird state of mind. <laughs> but just the, the idea of you're in this place, you, you desperately want to get out of it and you can't like um, saw two. And I don't like the saw movies at uh, all, but I, I don't, like, I'm not, a, I'm not a horror movie guy at all. Yeah. Like I do not do horror movies. <laughs> and, and like, I, I think I might've watched up to the third one and it was just cause someone else made me watch it. But I've actually watched the second one several times just because of they're locked in this house and and that one uh, has the you know that torture a, porn stuff is just i can't do it it grosses me out i watched hostel once and i was like oh, i will dude, never ever I will never watch, watch this it. again i will never watch a movie like this again um uh, i didn't even have any any interest in seeing that movie at all <laughs> oh yeah i mean uh, years and years ago when you know you'd be able to get music for free off like napster and other different sites like that you know limewire yeah, that sort of stuff. You know, you you could also saw... download videos, and so yeah. I 
I made a really poor decision one time and I looked up faces of death videos and I watched some of those and I watched those and I watched like, like basically war crimes that were happening. Some of like the, uh, some of wars that were going on in Europe somewhere, like, like soldiers just sitting there with like an enemy prisoner. And then out of nowhere, they just like pull out knives and just start stabbing the guy and then eventually cut his head off. And I'm like, I will never ever get that out of my mind that I just watched this happen. This wasn't special effects. This was real shit. And I, I was like, I don't like this. I th- I'm a big believer in the fact that there's some, there's some things that you can't unsee. And so I would rather oh, totally. not see them in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, torture porn movies fall into that for me. And, and I think the only reason I enjoyed that saw two movie was just because of the <laughs> it took place where they were all locked in a house like, um, <laughs> did, did you ever see Stephen King's Rose Red? No, I have not. It, if, like, I, to be honest, it's really quite a dog shit movie. But, <laughs> but like, he, he based it off of, have you ever heard of the Winchester House? I have not. Okay, so it's, I believe it's somewhere in California, and the, the, the heiress to the, the Winchester rifle fortune was really big into uh, the occult and the supernatural. And she was getting, there was like a seance or something. And the, the medium told her that there was a bunch of spirits that, that were basically all the people that had been killed by Winchester rifles were never going to let her be at rest. But the way that she could get rid of them is if she built this house that was basically like a big maze and she could never stop working on the house. As long as she kept working on this house, the spirits wouldn't be able to find her. And so this Winchester house is now open to the public and it's a weird place. Like there's like staircases that go up to nowhere. And I, I think she maybe even had it in her will so that some of the work continued on after she died. But, Jeez. but yeah, so Stephen King took this, this idea and it inspired him to write this, this story Rose Red and eventually made it into a TV, you know, made for TV miniseries type thing. And, uh, but it's this big mansion. I believe it's in Seattle and it's just humongous. And they, they believe that it's, it, they're, they're calling it like a dead cell saying that, you know, years and years ago when lots of people used to go into this place all the time, there'd be disappearances and, and weird shit. Like, like the house had basically just kind of swallowed up like a couple dozen people or something like that over the decades to where Jeez. eventually they just kind of closed it down. They weren't even allowing people to do tours anymore. Well, there's this lady who works uh, she's like a professor and she's into like paranormal psychology and she's trying to prove herself to her colleagues that, you know, this isn't just, you know, wacky out there pseudoscience stuff. This is real. It can be measurable. And so she puts together all these different psychics to like go into this house to just try and she like says that if you apply electricity to a dead frog's leg, it will twitch. And that's what Ooh. I'm looking for. You people are my psychic equivalent of the battery. And I just want to get one twitch, one measurable piece of data that we can go and throw in these people's face. And then once they go in there, one of the psychics that they take in is like this young autistic girl. And she's like off the charts, powerful. And the house is able to get much more than just a twitch. It actually jump starts it. And it's powerful enough to where it locks them all in. And like, they're like taking pool cues and trying to bust the glass to get out. And it's like steel. They can't even get out. And Jeez. since they're all like psychics and stuff, you know, there's like ghosts and stuff. It, it's 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 got moments in it where it's a gem, and then there's other parts where it's like, oh, this is pretty dog shit. <laughs> but <laughs> the cast, I just looked it up. The cast of the miniseries is not like it's got Nancy Travis, it's yeah. got the chick from the Halloween Town yeah. uh, yep. movies, it's got the chick from Bones, it's got 
Like the cast is like an interesting cast. It's, it's, it's I, I feel like if I were to say this is a great movie, somebody's going to come out and go, what the hell, Stark? <laughs> it's, like, it's a great movie to me. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny. Um, and years ago, I used to do a lot of writing. That was kind of like my big thing was I had, um, I'd just sit down, you know, my wife would be watching whatever on TV and I'd just sit down with my laptop and I'd write. And I got really into writing short stories and I started writing one that was more or less a story like that, where there's a house that once you're in there, you know, you might be able to get out, you might not. And, uh, oh, I, I never ended up finishing it, but it's one of those ones where I could see it being a great comic. Hmm. And, yeah. but, you know, well, th- so here's, here's the funny thing. I don't do horror movies at all. But I will read horror comics from time to time, and I think and I think it's because it's not like mo- it, I can separate it from reality a lot more than I can a horror movie because like horror movies are like real people and like you're seeing these things happen like it's actors and it's it's it, it can be like real life where like a comic is like somewhat cartoonish and like I can separate it from reality a lot more than I can like a horror movie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll read, I'll read comics that are like, I read, like I devoured the nail biter series. Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Rod was telling me about that on the last, um, episode of Startcast I did. And since oh, that yeah. was, you know, probably like a month and a half ago or so, <laughs> I, I had plenty of time to read all six of those trades and I'd love to see that as like a Netflix series or something like that, but mm-hmm. I can see it being far more disturbing, like watching mm-hmm. it than actually reading it. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But like there's uh, – I I've found that I like um, body horror comics, which is interesting, like where there's – it's it's like – because I think that it the – I think that there's so much more that they can do with art in a comic book than what they can do with like CG or or oh, totally or effects in a movie because in art you're not limited by anything. And there's a there was a book called Pisces that was a very short-lived book um that was the art was done by Johnny Christmas and it was Curtis Weeb and <clears throat> It had it had three issues that came out, and I absolutely loved it. It was this weird kind of like sci-fi body horror book, and they ended up canceling it after the third issue because it just wasn't selling at all. And I was super disappointed because it was like each issue they gave you a little bit more body horror, but even then it was only like maybe like two pages of the entire book. And so like the first issue was like two pages. The second issue was like three pages. The four, third issue was like four pages. And they, they kept increasing the amount of body horror that they had in the book. And I was like, I want to see more of this because Johnny Christmas is an amazing artist. And uh, I just, I, I wanted more of it and they ended up canceling it. But um, I don't know, like I, I'm really hit and miss with, with, horror i i don't really do horror movies at all but with horror comics like i don't really i don't deal with um and this this is a whole other discussion but um i don't deal with like um demon possession like that kind of stuff because that's something that i've personally experienced um and so that is like something that i just avoid and i just try not to to Mm -hmm mess with um and and then but but there's some like i love suspense horror like i can do that 
um, like thrillers and things like that. Like, like for instance, like the shallows, which is that shark movie that came out last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I saw that and I thought it was a great movie and, and it, it was classified as a horror movie, but I would consider it a thriller. I, I don't think to me, when I think of horror movie, I think of like gory graphic violence and like slashers and serial killers and stuff like that. Like that's the kind of, like horror stuff that I don't do, but I, I, I'm totally down with like a good thriller every once in a while. Yeah. My wife is really good at getting, like I said earlier, she's really good at getting me to watch those and she loves horror movies. And Mm. I went for, I'm glad my wife does not like horror movies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I went for maybe close to a decade without watching any of them. And Mm. it's kind of silly. What, what put me there too, is that, um, uh, years and years ago, I did uh, window tinting. I was okay. a professional window film installer. And so I did cars and uh, residential and commercial. And so I was like my day, I was going all over the place. I might be going into people's houses, you know, might be going into businesses, might be just hanging out in the shop with cars or whatever. And I watched the movie The Grudge, which is oh. a, a pretty crappy movie. But the concept in it that once you stepped into this place, that was it. You were just going to be targeted. You didn't have to be there to be targeted. It could target you in your bathroom, <laughs> you know, in, in, in your safe space, which is your, in your own apartment or house or whatever. You know, you know, you're screwed. It's going to come after you. And, and I did not like that concept because at the time it was like I was going to all these places. And like for the most part, if you're getting window film installed in your house, you've probably got a lot of money because it's going to cost a lot. And so I'm mm-hmm. going into these really big, sometimes creepy houses to where it's like, sometimes it would just be like, okay, here's the security code. Just go in, you know, you know what windows need to be done. And so I'd be in this big house that I'm unfamiliar with all by myself, having to just walk into rooms <laughs> and shit, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know where light switches are at. I don't know where any of this stuff is. And then all of a sudden yeah. I see this movie that's like so creepy. Like even to this day, I do not like going up into my attic for the simple fact that I have to move that trap door aside and I have to put my head up in there and I'm going to look one way <laughs> as I'm going in and I'm going to have to turn around. And every time I think of that creepy ass seed with the dead ghost boy making like the cat sound or like the like uh, 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 sound and it's like, I can't do it. I, I don't like, like <laughs> now I almost, you're going to give me nightmares tonight. <laughs> Thanks buddy. <laughs> <laughs> like I almost want to get like one of those mirrors, like what, like the secret service used to check the bottom of the car for bombs and like push the <laughs> trap door up and then kind of like do like a rotation. Maybe stand on my office chair and give it a spin, get like yeah. a 360 view before I go up. <laughs> be like, well, if there really is a demon ghost up there, maybe he won't be seen in a mirror. <laughs> you know, obviously, he wants to scare the shit out of me when I turn around. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, so the, I usually stay away from those movies just because I'll, I'll get those stupid ideas in my head. And logically, yeah. I know that that stuff's not going to happen. But yeah. I mean, the world's a weird place. You never know. Yeah. Like, like I've been out on night hikes in the wood before, in the woods before, and legitimately been afraid that what if Bigfoot's real, and what if I find out because he kills me? <laughs> <laughs> That's stupid. That is like the dumbest thing. And I would like, love I to meet Bigfoot. So much time thinking about that, and what like worrying about it. <laughs> 
dude, I would love to meet Bigfoot. I feel like I feel like Bigfoot is just a bro. Like he's just like he's just like somebody that you could like like hang out with and like sit around a campfire and just like make hot dogs with and just kind of like bro out. <laughs> I've never heard it put like that before. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's how i like to imagine bigfoot <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it it's just one of those things where you can you can latch onto an irrational thought and let it take you on a ride that you know logically you know that this is this is a silly train of thought to be pursuing but mm-hmm. and, and that's generally why i stay away from those movies but i have no problem at all reading the comics i mean yeah you know it, it, it's image is my favorite company and they've got so yeah. many messed up titles and i just love oh, them they do <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure uh what so have you seen anything recently um i'm trying to think what was the most recent man no i here let's do this i need i you want to take a little break real quick yeah and let's, then... let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and get okay. right back into this sounds good <laughs> okay so we will be right back And we're back. All right. That was a good break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very much needed. <laughs> I, I just drank three quarters of a two liter of Sunny D and I uh, I needed to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, ever since I did that podcast with Rod, I've been, um, he, he like a lot of his um, nutrition talk on that um, really inspired me to make some big changes. And so one of the things I've been doing is I carry on a gallon jug everywhere with me. Nice. And so now I've been trying to drink a gallon of water a day and um it's been kind of cold this week and so it mm-hmm. was a lot harder this week to get a gallon drank every day. But yeah. then it was hotter today and so I've drank more than usual and so yeah, it's like it it was bad this morning at work cuz I drank like half the gallon in like the first 2 hours I was there oh, and then it was like every piss was an emergency. <laughs> like i was training a new hire and so i'd kind of like explain something and i'd be like give him like a task that i knew was going to take two minutes i'd be like i'll be right back dude (laughs) mall walked in the bathroom (laughs) i try to i try to drink so i've got a 24 ounce water bottle and i usually try to drink about four of those a day um so uh anyways my question before the break was what have you seen recently huh um you know, I've been so busy reading comics for the the other uh, podcast that I do with with uh, Jordan, the Comic Cast. Mm-hmm. That it's like literally taken up all of my time. <laughs> 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 like all of my CW shows are on Netflix now, and I still haven't finished any of them. Oh, nice! And it's like oh, it's like I want to, but at the same time, I'm so stoked on all these different titles I'm reading. It's just that. I just don't have enough time. And like for the last, like ever since I haven't even gone and seen wonder woman yet. And like what? every weekend I've been stoked. What? to do. I know. I know what? Every, every weekend I've been stoked to do it. But then at the last minute when I'm like, Oh shit, that means I'm going to have to go out and be around people. <laughs> and like, but it's like, I just need to get past that and just go, just go to the early morning show and pay a five, you know, get a $5 ticket. But I don't know. I've just had so many irons in the fire lately that that watching has gone down for me. Um, yeah. The most recent thing that I that I 
did make time for was American Gods. I watched the whole first season of that, and, okay. and I just loved it. It was so good, and I I've never read the book, and I've I I put the comic. It's a little, it's a little too dark for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's and I didn't really know what I was getting into, but I I knew it was Neil Gaiman, and I really really like one of my favorite books is um, Good Omens that he co-wrote with uh, Terry mm-hmm. Pratchett. Yeah, and so when when I was like, okay, this is a Neil Gaiman thing, I really liked what he did with Good Omens. All you know, I will check this out, and also Ian McShane. Like ever since I watched Deadwood years and years ago, he's, Ian, he's amazing. Oh, he's, he's I love him in the John Wick movies. Yes, yeah, and and I still haven't even seen the second one of that. I need to get on that. Oh, dude. Well, <laughs> okay, and here's this, dude. Okay, so before we started recording earlier, and 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 Jared and I were just BSing. I I let him know that I have never gotten a movie from a red box before. <laughs> yeah, it just blows my mind. <laughs> Two dollars to rent a Blu-ray, you can't beat it. And so yeah, maybe that would be perfect. I can go and rent John Wick too. But like, yes. there's there's all these movies and shows that I would love to watch. I would be so stoked to watch them. But at the end of the day, you know, I've got I got two kids. I got a six year old and a nine year old. And so depending mm-hmm. on what I watch um, or what I want to watch, I can watch it with them or I have to watch it after everybody's in bed. Mm-hmm. You gotcha. Know? And my wife works early mornings at UPS. And so she, okay. um, you know, she usually goes to bed around the same time as the kids. And so, you know, I do have time in the evenings to, to watch stuff. But, you know, sometimes by that time I'm pretty tired. Like I've lost track of the amount of comics that I've just fallen asleep in the middle of reading <laughs> <laughs> the beauty, but see the beauty of falling asleep when you're reading a comic is that, you know, what page you fell asleep on yeah, absolutely. when you fall asleep, when you fall asleep and you're watching a TV show or a movie, you never really remember when you fell asleep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I find that I find that I have that issue when I'm listening to audiobooks, which I hate it because I'll like get in bed at night and I'll just throw on an audiobook in because it kind of helps to to wind me down at the end of the day and I'll find that I fall asleep and I have no idea where in the book I fell asleep at yeah. so I end up rewinding it and then I listen to it and I'm like yup I heard this part yup I heard this part yup oh that's new um, and like it's <laughs> it's so it's so frustrating like having to go back and re-listen to everything all over again because you fell asleep yeah <laughs> So, okay, so then when I brought up that with the kids and that kind of dictates what I watched, that reminds me that I have watched some stuff recently. (laughs) It's just that for the most part, it's been kids programming. Okay. But um, (laughs) uh, Moana just came out on Netflix, and so my kids have been watching the hell out of that. And so I watched it for the first time last weekend, and I, I thought it was really, really great. And I've got a soft spot in my heart for for Disney movies. I usually watch them. And um, before before we even had kids, my wife and I had an extensive collection of you know Pixar and nice. Disney movies and stuff, and we'd watch them <laughs> quite often. And so then it kind of worked out when we had kids, where it was like, okay, now we're going to take all of these DVDs and put them on your bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> and look at how many awesome movies you've got there. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's funny. And um, so yeah, I, I really liked Moana. Um, I loved the songs in it. Uh, this whole week at work, I've been walking around singing different songs from it. And uh, for my job, I travel to different manufacturing facilities and kind of take care of their their fasteners 
like at a point okay. of use. And so I'm just around lots of, you know, people that are like assembling machines and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's not fun when you get caught singing a Moana song. <laughs> <laughs> And so, you know, at first it, 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 there's shame, then followed by the realization of, hey, you recognized it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm so hit and miss on Disney movies. If a Disney movie doesn't catch me with the trailer, then I usually won't end up watching it. The, the exception for that was um, we – so we never saw Zootopia when it was in theaters and – uh, just never had a desire to watch. Uh, I, I enjoy Disney movies, but I enjoy more like the Pixar movies than I do, um, like the straight up Disney movies. And, uh, so we had a friend that recommended Zootopia and they let us borrow it and we watched it and it was pretty good. My wife absolutely loves it. Like she put it in like her top five Disney movies ever. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. She, you've seen Zootopia, haven't you? Many times. Yeah. Um, so, so that's good. But like, I will, I still refuse. I will never watch frozen. Um, and I, I don't know, like Moana, I wanted to see it or like when it first came out and now I feel like it's just so hyped up. Like, is it really going to live up to the ex to the expectations that everybody has set for me? (laughs) Well, I would say if all else fails, just maybe look up one of the songs or, a couple of the songs on YouTube and just maybe, I don't know if it would ruin it for you outside of the context of the movie. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. I should just watch yeah, it. Yeah. But... I mean, I'd recommend it. I think it's great. And, and, but going back to why, why did you absolutely refuse to ever watch frozen? Just because the hype surrounding it with so many people saying, Oh, it's the best Disney movie ever. That and the song is the most annoying song Let on the go? face of this planet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So annoying, and I never want to have to hear that again. Well, you Every know, like, my wife, if she wants to get under my skin and annoy me, she'll start singing that song. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Your wife sounds awesome. She is awesome. <laughs> that is so funny. Uh, that's like that is one of my favorite parts of being a parent. Is it is a joy that I have discovered that I love annoying the shit out of my children. <laughs> it's so much fun you know I mean, they're gonna do it to me i'm gonna do it right back <laughs> yeah that's amazing <laughs> uh, i'll talk to them in weird accents and they'll be like uh you're doing that again like, yeah yeah we are <laughs> <laughs> now it's just time to put on the boots and coats and hats and mittens yeah <laughs> And then I'll leave the room and they're ignoring me and I'll come back in and I'll go, boots and coats and hats and mittens. (laughs) (laughs) It's so much fun. That's amazing. (laughs) Uh, Dude, my nine-year-old, he's one of the weirdest and most awesome people that I know. I love how weird he is. And like, I've heard him more than once. He'll do something weird. And my wife and I will look at each other and start laughing and he'll put his arms up and do a shrug and go, what? We're weird people. It's like, indeed we are, buddy. Indeed we are. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Uh, My best friend has a little two-and-a-half-year-old, and and, uh, 
she is like the cutest kid I've ever seen in my life. But I went over to um, his house yesterday and just kind of hung out with him for a little bit and got there right before she was getting ready for bed. And she runs up to me and she's in like the cutest little voice just goes, what's up, dude? (laughs) I was like, you're two and a half. Do you even know what a dude is? <laughs> but she, you know, it was adorable. But that's so cool. Uh, it, it was awesome, uh, man. But yeah, I mean, be now because of the kids, I I go and well, there's some of them that I'll just do a hard veto on. Where it's like, yeah, you you can do that. You can go watch that movie while I'm at work. <laughs> like, I thought I had them really talked into going and seeing Doctor Strange, and I was like, okay, this is gonna be great. Because okay. the boys really like the Marvel movies. And um, really the only PG-13 one that I've started to show them and then shut off was Suicide Squad. Oh, that was not a good choice to show your kids. No, no. <laughs> no. And, and I watched it once, but it was like maybe I just glossed over some of the stuff. But I'm watching it, and as soon as it gets to like the club scene with like Harley on the pole, I'm like, yeah, I might not. And I kind of look at my wife, and she's looking at me, and she's like, I don't think we're going to watch this. I'm like, I, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's shut this off. <laughs> but like they saw Civil War in the theater and uh they really loved it. They just went nuts for the Spider Man scenes, of course. But yeah. um and so then when they were seeing the trailers for Doctor Strange, they're like, Oh, it's a Marvel movie, we want to go see this and I'm like, Oh great, great. And then when that weekend comes, they're like I'm like, So we can go to the movies? And they're like, Yeah, we want to see trolls. Oh gosh. And I'm like, No. <laughs> no, I already told them I'd go. I can't bail. And so, yeah, no, the whole way to the theater we're driving, I'm like, are you sure you wouldn't rather see Doctor Strange? Like, no, we want to see Trolls. And what's funny is when we took our break, they're actually out in the living room right now watching Trolls on Netflix. Oh, geez. <laughs> <But they were laughs> like, <laughs> is it any good? No. I didn't. No? I didn't like it. I know a lot of people <laughs> did, but the I the the character design on, like, the the villains, it was it was they were so weird looking. I didn't even like looking at them. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, Oh my God, this is like, they're like Walmart gross lo- on lo- that level. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's like, I want to look cause I'm fascinated and I can't believe it's really real, but I don't want to look cause I don't want that burned in my fucking retina. <laughs> uh, that's funny. But there was like, and so then since I was not into the movie, I was like, okay, now I've got to just try and make my wife laugh in this theater. And so instead, it's like she's sitting on one end, and then it's kid, kid, and then me on the other end. And so I'm just <laughs> looking over the tops of my children and just staring at the side of my wife's head. <laughs> <laughs> Until she'd get that feeling of, I'm being watched, and she'd look at me, <laughs> and then she'd start laughing. Because I'd just stare at her with this just like dead look on my face, like, I'm dying inside, listening <laughs> to these songs in this show. <laughs> Why are you making me watch this? Isn't that the movie that Justin Timberlake did? Yes. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the the kids loved it though, and you know I I like seeing them happy, but you know sometimes it 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 tears little pieces of you away at the time. <laughs> so it's nice when a movie like Moana comes along where it's like, oh, I can get down with this one. Or Zootopia. Zootopia was great. Um, yeah. Have you seen The Secret Life of Pets? No, but I've heard it's pretty good. It's got some great parts in it, and does it? The, yeah, the Kevin Hart does the voice of like what he kind of ends up being the villain, and then a little bit of an anti-hero or something. And and generally, like I know Kevin Hart is like a huge stand-up comedian, but I have never and like I am 
hugely into stand-up comedy. Like I love it. I love to laugh. Um, there's there's nothing. I'm a huge huge stand-up comedian <laughs> fan. There's. If if you're approaching it on a comedy level, there's nothing sacred to me. If, if you're gonna say mean <laughs> things just in like a because you want to hurt somebody, then it's like I'm not gonna be down with you. But if if you're trying to approach it from like some sort of comedic angle, then usually I can get on board with you and I'll laugh with it. Just yeah. because I've got a dark sarcastic sense of humor and I'll laugh at some pretty messed up stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I've never been able to make it through one of his specials just because for some reason the sound of his voice irritates the hell out of me, but it really <laughs> didn't irritate me in, in Zootopia. Like I, it was kind of okay. funny because he's like the voice of this fluffy little bunny rabbit that like, you look at him and you're like, Oh, it should be a cute little bunny. But instead it's like this insane <laughs> like a psychopath <laughs> of a bunny. <laughs> so are you, are you, did you see the new Jumanji trailer? Not yet. I uh, know. Oh, I, dude. I saw the, I saw a link up, but I just didn't get a chance to watch it yet. I'm actually kind of excited about it. Because isn't it Which, supposed to be like almost like a... It's not really a reboot, but it's like a continuation of the original movie or something. That's kind of how I heard kind it. Kind of. I, I, there, there wasn't really any connection to the original in the trailer. That doesn't mean there won't be in the movie. But based on the trailer, it's basically these four kids who find an old video game system that has the game Jumanji. And they choose their different avatars. And then they get sucked into the game and they become the avatars that they chose. And so like the nerdy kid ends up being the rock and the big, tall uh, black football player ends up becoming short, little Kevin Hart. (laughs) And um, the, the kind of nerdy redhead girl ends up becoming Karen Gillan. And then the like popular blonde girl ends up becoming Jack Black. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's a twist. So it, <laughs> yeah. So it looks it looks pretty funny. Like I, I think it'll be it'll be solid. I think if you take it as it for what it is and not try to compare it to the original, because I, I mean, the original is fun, but the original is not like a sacred movie. You know, like I love I love Robin Williams. He's probably my favorite comedian of all time. But Jumanji is like. It's it's a fun movie, but it's not like it's like an Academy Award winning. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. oh you can't you can't ever redo Jumanji. <laughs> you know, so. Um, but I don't know. I think I think the new new one looks pretty good. But uh, so I my wife and I went to Redbox today, and we were like, let's 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 watch a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> so. so we we got there and we're like, oh, we haven't seen Assassin's Creed yet. So have you seen Assassin's Creed? Uh-uh. Okay, so Assassin's Creed got terrible. It's got like a 14% on Rotten Tomatoes or something like super low like that. Everybody that I know that saw it said that it was terrible. And so I was like, all right, well, let's get this because we want to watch a terrible movie. So we got it. And I'm not going to lie. The first like 20 minutes to a half an hour was pretty rough. But once you got past that and the and it kind of hit its stride, I was very pleasantly surprised with it. Like I I really enjoyed the movie, um, and and that's and when I told people that they were like, "Have you played the games?" And I was like, "Yeah, I love the games." And they're like, "Weird." Most of the people that played the games hated the movie, and I was like, "I don't know. It's it's a world that I like." being in i thought that especially in the in the past stuff where he's like in the animus i thought 
the action and the choreography and everything was really, really good. Um, and it was a really interesting movie. So I don't know. I, I, I would, I would recommend checking it out, but, uh, I don't think it was like groundbreaking or an amazing movie, but it was definitely enjoyable and, and going with such low expectations, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. That's always a good way to approach a movie like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, for sure. And you know, it's, it's weird when I look at it now, but the first time I saw Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban in the theater, I didn't like it. But really? now it's my favorite one out of out of all the movies. That's but, the third one, right? Yes. But yeah. at the time, I was totally... So I watched the first two movies, which were more or less done... You know, they were both, I believe, Chris Columbus, and they both were pretty similar in, in the way that they looked. Mm-hmm. And then when you got to the third one, the look of it was totally different. But it was also, that was Alfonso Cuaron, or was his last name? Is that... Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I'll look it up. I'm not the best at remembering directors all the time. But I'm, I'm, I think it was the same guy who did Gravity. Um, but uh, Yeah, Alfonso Cuaron. Yeah, there you go. And, you know, now it's my favorite because I like the stylistic choices he, he did. But... At the time, I didn't like it because it wasn't like the other ones. And also, after I saw those first two and got so obsessed with it, I read all the books. Okay. So by the time I had watched Prisoner of Azkaban, I think I might have read all the way through Order of the Phoenix, which would be the fifth one. And okay. like, at the time, like I used to read fiction just like voraciously. Like I had, I used to read Lord of the Rings once a year. Yes. Um. There was um. Uh, the the series that I read more than anything was uh, by this author named Raymond E. Feist, and he wrote this book called Magician that I discovered in high school. And then there was a whole series that followed after it. And I just fell in love with these characters. And I'd re- read Magician sometimes like three or four times a year, and then okay. some of the other following books. And so you know I'd just be obsessed with books, and I was used to finishing a book and then just starting it right over if I liked it well enough. And so I did that with the Harry Potter books, especially those first ones. They're just, they're tiny. And like, especially if you're reading the Sorcerer's Stone, it, it's like J.K. Rowling wrote it for the perspective of the age that Harry was at, was what I felt like. So it felt oh, like very totally. much like the very first book. It'd be a perfect book to read to an 11-year-old. And then yeah, by the time you get to like Order of the Phoenix, when, you know, Harry is... Basically, I believe I think he's 15 years old in that one, and that's when a lot of teenagers start to go through that, starting to realize how unfair the world can be, and so that's when a lot of people will start to discover, you know, that teen angst and just being angry at the world. And and Harry's very much angry at the world through a lot of those yeah. books, and so I was, was and still am totally gaga over the way that that J.K. Rowling can portray these characters and just the way that those books evolved, and so. I was totally obsessed with them, and then I went into it, and I was like, what are all these weird-ass changes in this movie? But now I can look at it, and it's it's my favorite. And so it's it's odd how my perspective will change over time, but I think part of the reason that I didn't like it was because, or, you know, just that at that first was because I was so hyped to see this movie. I thought it was mm-hmm. going to be the best thing ever. It was I, I loved the book, and then I went into it, and there were some parts of the storyline that weren't even in the movie, and I felt like they should have been in there. And but that's where, you know, I I feel like it can be beneficial to go into a movie with low expectations <laughs> because at least then there's only one direction you can go. Yeah, for sure. You know. Did you like Fantastic Beasts? I haven't seen it yet. 
What? <laughs> Dude. I'm just terrible at catching up on movies these days. You know, like like I said, I don't have very much time and the list of movies that I have that I want to see is is big and that one's on there. I just I just haven't gotten to it yet. <laughs> you need to, I I really enjoyed it. It's I, I know some people that loved it and some people that hated it, but I thought it was really good. It sounds awesome. I mean, you know, I listen to so many different pop culture podcasts that, you know, if I don't see something right away, it is going to get spoiled for me. And for the most part, I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like when, excuse me, when, um, when Wonder Woman first came out, I was like, okay, I can't listen to any of my regular shows. You know, I can't get this spoiled for me. And then when I found out, okay, it's like, I didn't see it the first week. I didn't see it the second week. And it's like, all right, I need to listen to my shows again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, I miss listening to listening to all that and um and even then i didn't really get anything spoiled for me (laughs) but then um jordan was kind of telling me a little bit about it and he he was saying you know he's like i don't know if this is really a movie that you know you can have spoiled like it isn't like there's any big twists in it or anything wonder woman yeah Yeah. but i've i i think i heard maybe one person like i think i saw matt kirby write on the the facebook group or something that he didn't care for it (laughs) (laughs) and i think that might have been the only opinion i saw that was you know, uh, detrimental of the film or whatever. Everybody yeah, pretty much everybody else loved it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, <laughs> I always seem to have a lot of irons in the fire these days, <laughs> but you know, uh, I, I, I took a, a huge break from start cast for a little while just because I got so distracted with, um, um, you know, after I did that podcast with Rod, I was like, okay, I want to try this keto thing. And then cutting mm-hmm. all the sugar out of my diet, you know, it really, it really messed me up like emotionally for a little while to where I would just be getting way too angry about things. And I was like, all right, I just can't do the podcast thing for a little while. And it just kind of worked out with the comic cast that that was right when Jordan was working all these crazy hours at work. So comic cast was on a hiatus also. And, um, then part of you know, it's like, okay, I'm eating the good diet. Now I need to start exercising more. And the exercise that's always worked the best for me is my climbing gym, because it's like, I'm Mm -hmm. tricking myself into exercising because really I'm just going out and I'm hanging out with a friend, hanging out with friends that climb, you know, for a Tuesday or Thursday night bouldering session out in the garage for a couple hours, climb till your skin hurts. And then, you know, you know, voila, you just did a bunch of exercise (laughs) and it didn't feel like you did exercise and you had a lot of fun and you felt like a kid for a little while, but you know, that sort of stuff takes time. You know, if I, if I get home from work at five and I know people are coming over at seven o'clock to climb, then I got two hours to try and spend with my family because by the time I'm done climbing, everybody's going to be asleep and I'm just more or less going to be sneaking back into the house and, Ah, it's just freaking adulting, you know? Yeah, right. (laughs) It's just just so much work. (laughs) Well, we just, we just decided to get a gym membership on Sunday of this past week. We, it's like, we went out to dinner or we, uh, we, we had a little date night. We went and got Qdoba and then the, the airport, uh, the big international airport here in Grand Rapids has like a, a viewing area where you can like watch planes come in and leave and stuff. And it's just like a really relaxing place to go hang out. And so we, we got Qdoba and then went and hung out at the airport place. And after we were done, we were like, I feel like we should get a gym membership. So it's like six o'clock on a Sunday night and we ended up going to the gym <laughs> and getting a gym membership and then worked out for like an hour. Well, that's and awesome. We, 
<laughs> yeah. And then we like we just like we're talking and we were like, you know what? Like we really need to I've I'm at my heaviest that I've ever been. I'm at like two twenty five, two thirty right now. And um my wife is still a twig, but for whatever reason, she thinks that she's gained some weight. Um, and so we were like, we, we need to be, we don't, Emily, my wife eats pretty good. I don't eat very good. I eat a lot of like processed foods and like, I eat a lot of boneless chicken wings. <laughs> oh, I'm with you there, bud. <laughs> um, and, and I eat a lot of like pizza and, and stuff like that. And so, um, we were like, you know what? We really need to, uh, we were just feeling inspired and we were like, let's, we need to start eating healthier. We need to start working out more. Um, and so we, we've been to the gym, we went to the gym sun, Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, and today. And then I'm going again tomorrow. Um, and really trying to like create a, um, habit of, of making time to go to the gym. Perfect. And before I was, I was working a part-time job, like two, two nights a week uh, on top of my full-time job. And so it made it really, really hard to do anything because it, or to have any sort of like, like regular schedule because the days of the week that I would work would always change. So I couldn't be I like, like right now, my, my plan is to work out, minimum monday wednesday friday but then also work out on the weekends as well and and just change up what i'm doing and and to work out different parts of my body and so we we've been hitting it really hard this week and we like went to the store and got like dude on sunday night after the gym we went to the grocery store and i'm telling you dude i don't think we've ever had that much veggies and fruits in our cart at once ever (laughs) so we just got like a a bunch of like good healthy food and i had on monday night i had broccoli for the first time in 15 years um (laughs) did you like steam it or saute it or how'd you have it broccoli is one of my favorites we steamed it um and then put put some put some butter and a little bit of salt on it uh but like i am an extremely extremely picky eater so it's really it's really difficult for me to like most healthy foods i don't really like and so i can relate and to it's it not that. and it's not always it's not always like a taste thing a lot of it is a texture thing like things will make me gag yep yeah and, same here <laughs> Yeah, I and cannot so, eat raw vegetables for the most part. I can't. Yeah, do it. like I can't do tomato, it. Tomato, like tomatoes, can't do it. Nope. Can't do it. I can't. Like the before, I'm I'm starting to try new things. Like over this past week, like I I tried pineapple for the first time. Um, what do you think? And I I really enjoy the taste of it. The texture's a little weird. It's kind of kind of stringy. Yeah, um, and fruit does that to me sometimes. Like the texture mm-hmm. of fruit, like because it's like you'll get the flavor all out of it, and then you just got this weird fiberish. That's like, oranges. Mo- it, it, that was I was thinking oranges while I was saying this. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> it's like I love cutie oranges. I don't know how they pack that much sweetness and flavor into such a little easily peelable package. But occasionally, <laughs> occasionally the texture of it will. People say up. that about me all the time. <laughs> Whatever, dude. I saw pictures of you standing next to people at C two E two. You do not come in a little package. <laughs> you you are very. I also tall. get told that all the time. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> that's, that's what she said. Joke insert in there. Right? <laughs> As the words were coming out of my mouth, I was like, "This sounds really dirty." <laughs> 
no no way this is not gonna backfire in your face but yeah i i totally get i i'm I, that's so awesome that you get what i'm saying about like the texture thing of oh, like yeah. just like like i love orange stuff like i love orange juice i love orange flavored things i love like putting or, like orange slices in drinks and like having that added flavor and stuff like that but like i cannot eat an orange because it just the texture of it is just so ugh to me yeah. it just like skews me out <laughs> yeah like i love the taste of raspberries i can't eat raspberries because they've got yeah. all those damn tiny the, little seeds in them. And it's like, it's like, okay. Well, that, they're furry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. But it's like, it's like, okay, I'm going to have some raspberries and then I guess I'm going to floss afterwards. Otherwise, I'm going to feel like I'm getting like tortured in my mouth because there's some tiny little freaking seed that's stuck between my molars that that's all I can think about. <laughs> that's so true. I don't like it. I don't like it. But it's like if you cook in like not necessarily fruits, but I mean, you know, I guess I love fruits in a pie. So I guess I've had some fruits cooked. But um, <laughs> but like like if you give me just like a raw tomato, I don't want to eat it. I don't want to eat it yeah. at all. Like I can kind of if, if they're sliced thin enough and you don't put a whole lot of them on, I can I can deal with tomatoes on like a sub sandwich as long as there's some other things on it. But if it's thick cut. Uh-uh, I can't do it. But if you give me, like, a bowl of chili that's got stewed tomatoes in it, oh, I'll eat the hell out of those stewed, stewed tomatoes. That's mm. awesome. But yeah. I, I can't do it cold. Like, I love carrots, broccoli, are, I can't do it cold. Carrots are, carrots are a big one. Like, I can eat, like, cold, like, crunchy carrots, but I can't do, like... You make um, like a like a stew with like potatoes and carrots and and meat and stuff like that. I can't do like squishy carrots. It's oh, just really? it, yeah, it just grosses me out. <laughs> I can I can see yeah because it becomes a texture thing, right? It's like you got this yeah, mush totally, in your mouth. It's not a taste thing for so many of the things that I don't eat. It's not a taste thing at all. It's a total texture thing. Yeah, I just can't do it. <laughs> There's just certain things, that, and and I think I think it goes back to when I was a kid, like. I was like a little fat kid and it was because (laughs) (laughs) I was and I was overweight. I mean, I've been overweight my whole life. There was like one moment in probably like 2015 where I got down to like right around 200 pounds. And then like the climbing pictures I look up from back then, like when the, you know, two, you know, three years ago today, Facebook picture shows up or whatever. I look at those pictures. I'm like, oh my God damn, I was really cut. I was really skinny. (laughs) But if you'd have talked to me back then, I'd have been like, yeah, I'm, you know, there's no way. That you know, I'm gonna mow my lawn without a shirt on. There's no way that I'm gonna go to the water park and, and walk around because that's how I feel right now. You know, that's how I've felt my whole life, and yeah. you know because in, and especially with the way that little kids are just they cruel. Yeah, exactly. They're cruel, and whether they mean to be or not, they are. And so it got put in my head at a very young age that I was fat. And so that's something that's just dogged me my entire life. And, and now I'm old enough to where it's like you know what, it's like, um. There was, there was something that um, uh, Adam Cornette had posted because you know how he does his um, his YouTube videos on his yeah. YouTube channel. He had shared some of the, you know occasionally he'll share like screenshots of like troll comments he'll get on the on the leftover page. Well, yeah. he had put one up where it was a conversation with this guy that was basically the guy was just being a jerk to him and calling him fat, and like he had like the best response ever when he put it up there and i thought it was the coolest thing ever he's like this asshole's talking to me like telling me i'm fat like i don't know i'm fat 
<laughs> and it's like in like that statement there was so much power in that because it's like yeah i mean i don't think anybody who's overweight would make a choice to be like yeah this is this is the way that i want to be because there's mm-hmm. a myriad of reasons why you wouldn't want to be but yeah the fact that he's like yeah yeah i'm overweight what else can you say about me oh nothing mm-hmm. else yeah because you know basically saying without saying you're a freaking idiot you know you're just saying something to me that's obvious and and it took me a long time to come to a similar point to where I'd imagine, you know, that statement from him was coming from is that now it's like, you know, if somebody were to make the comments to me that were made to me, like in high school or junior high or something like that, you know, I would handle them very differently as an adult. Now, I mean, it's still sting right. a little bit, but more I'm going to judge the person who said it to me, like the quality of their character more than I'm going to yeah. allow it to cut me the way it would in the oh, past. Yeah. Things that people say like that tells way more about who they are than who you are. Yeah. And especially, you know, if you're, if you're the first comment out of your mouth to insult somebody is like, oh, you're fat. And it's like, yeah, and you pick low hanging fruit. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like come up with something better. And like, here's the thing, like there, like people get healthy in their own way, you know? And so like for me, I feel like like I'm overweight. Like when, when I went to the doctor, my doctor said that I should be around 195 to 200 pounds. So I'm about 30 pounds overweight, which is not a ton. I'm not like fat, but I've definitely got a belly and and I've definitely like put on some weight over the past couple years. And so for me, I want to get healthier. Whether I, yes, I want to get rid of this belly that I have, but at the same time, like even if I can't get rid of that, but if I'm still going to the gym 3 or 4 days a week and I'm eating healthier and I can't lose the weight, but I'm doing the right things, that's what matters is that you're doing the right things so that you feel healthier. It doesn't matter like like the I was I was telling my wife the other day because she was she's doing this um at our work because we work at the same place they do this biggest loser contest where you like put in 10 bucks and then the person who loses the most weight at the end of eight weeks or something like that gets the the pot that's that uh-huh. everybody is, has put into and she's doing this not because she's necessarily like needs to lose weight or anything but because it, she wants to use it as motivation to get healthier and she she was got on the scale the other day and she's like i've gained a pound over the last week how is that even possible like I've been eating healthier and I've been exercising or whatever. And I was like, babe, like the, the scale is a fickle thing and it doesn't tell the whole story. Do you feel, do you, do you feel healthier? Well, yeah, we've been working out every day and we've been eating better. Well, then that's all that matters is that you feel healthier, that you know, you're doing the right things and that you feel better about yourself because of it, because that's what it really matters. Like who, who cares what somebody else thinks about the way that you look, you know, like it, it doesn't matter what care, what matters is what, how you feel about yourself. And, and if you're, you're comfortable with your, if you know what? If if somebody is overweight and they're and they're comfortable with that and they're confident in themselves, more power to them, you know. But but for the people that want to get healthier or or lose weight or be in better shape or get toned or whatever, like if you're doing the right things, then that's all that matters is is that you feel better about yourself. Absolutely. And in what you were saying about the scale being fickle, that's. That is so true. And so many people focus so much on that number on that scale. And and I do it, Mm -hmm. you know, too. Absolutely. I mean, I know that really realistically you're supposed to weigh yourself maybe once a week. Like, Mm -hmm. no, I'm a, I'm a sucker for punishment. I'm going to weigh myself every day. 
<laughs> but I, I understand how arbitrary of a victory it is. It's like, I'm going to yeah. go in there and depending on the number on the scale, yeah, I'm going to walk out of the bathroom either feeling good or feeling bummed out. Yeah. And so that was part of, so I, I stuck to that keto thing for three weeks and the first week I dropped 11 pounds. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was like, holy crap. But keep in mind also, like that means I cut all the refined sugar out of my diet and that meant I cut all the beer out and like, I've never been like a big, <laughs> I've never been a big drinker. Like, um, usually I'd like a six pack will last me two nights. Okay. But you know, still that's three beers I'm not having. And you know, and so if I have a six pack and I have three beers in there tonight, that means I'm totally going to have the other three tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so that means when I'm driving home from work on the third day, then I got to avoid the temptation of stopping at the mini mart and getting another six pack of fat tire. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and for a while there, depending on how it was going, it was like, you know, I wasn't getting blitzed every night, but I was getting a, I was getting a buzz almost mm-hmm. every night. And so part of what I was looking like, it wasn't necessarily fat, but you know how like dudes will start to get that beer belly where like you'll poke it and it's like hard, but it's like sticking mm-hmm. out. Like yeah. that's like the shape I was starting to get. And like, I'd look in yeah. the mirror and I was not liking it. <laughs> like, yeah. Especially when I'd see those, you know, like three years ago today pictures and see like, you know, is seemingly how far I've fallen. Cause it was like mm-hmm. for a long time I was chugging along in this. Yeah. Like journey. thanks Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, in the end I've discovered that really the most important thing is to base it on the way your clothes fit. But, mm-hmm. Oh, I kind of skipped over the end of that keto thing. So yeah, I did the keto thing for three weeks. I lost 11 pounds that first week. And then for the next two weeks I just maintained. Mm. And I was like, I'm skipping out on all this, these things. And it's like, this isn't even getting me anywhere. Yeah. And and so I was talking to my wife about it. And from the beginning, my wife has always been skeptical of a diet like that. She's she's always been of the mind that you really just need to do something that is sustainable for the long period. Because if you do mm-hmm. something that's a trend and you lose a bunch of weight, and then in in the end, a weight loss journey needs to be about changing your lifestyle because it was your lifestyle mm-hmm. that got you to that point. And so you need to do a fundamental change in your lifestyle to get you to the point you, you want to be, which is, you know, it means you need to increase the amount of exercise you do and you need to pay more attention to, to the, the, the quantity and the quality of calories that you're putting into your body. And mm-hmm. so I was like that. And, and also we were, we were <laughs> at her mom and dad's house and we were having this discussion while pizzas were on the way over and I had a <laughs> quest bar <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to eat this freaking quest bar and you guys are all going to be having this pizza that i'm going to smell <laughs> i'm like all right i'm eating pizza tonight <laughs> and so then like so, but then i'm feeling horrible because you know i just spent three weeks being absolutely militant on this diet and being very good about sticking to it and not cheating at all mm-hmm. and then it's like okay i'm having pizza i feel i feel pretty guilty about this and you know <laughs> when we're talking about it she's like She's like, well, I've been telling you from the beginning that maybe you should just switch over to just counting calories like you did in the past. She's like, when when you did the, your best on your diet, that's all you did was you counted your calories. You didn't eat, you know, like processed food. For the most part, I, I cut a lot of that out. I was eating lots of veggies that, you know, I'd saute in a big wok for supper. Mm-hmm. And, and so then I switched over to that and then immediately started losing weight again. Now I'm down like another three pounds in this, mm. in this last week. And, nice. And in the end, you need to. I need to remind myself to not 
be so mindful of what that number is on the scale. It's much more about how your clothes fit because that's mm-hmm. something that like I went down to the I went I dropped a notch on my belt and so that's like the the last one there is. So now when this belt doesn't fit, I'm gonna have to go buy it, go and buy a new one, which will be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And, and my wife can, t- can says that she can tell a huge difference just when she hugs me and like, just the way that, that my t-shirts look on me and stuff. She's like, Oh yeah, I can tell that you've definitely lost weight. Nice. And you're starting to see muscle tone creep in again in my shoulders. Cause I've been hitting up the climbing gym a lot more regularly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So, I mean, you know, it, it, it feels good, but, it is one of those things where you got to change your lifestyle to, to to accommodate it, and it's awesome that you're going back to the gym. And I've been enjoying seeing your posts um, that you're working on running and trying to get your your mile pace down. Yeah, well, that's that's something that's like been really like a big goal for me because I've had <clears throat> I do a half a dozen hamstring injuries over the past year and a half. Oh that, yeah. That, that have been I've torn my hamstring both my hamstrings I've I pulled them to the point where I can't even walk for a week straight um like it, it's been bad and it and anybody who knows anything about hamstrings knows that it's a very much a recurring injury that if you don't treat it and you don't strengthen those muscles back up that it's just going to keep happening over and over again and I um Got to it. Got to the point where about a month ago I was going disc golfing with my dad, and the very first hole I threw the disc and blew my hamstring. Oh no! And it's and it's like this is this is getting ridiculous. Like I threw a frisbee and I threw and I blew my hamstring out. Like this is this is getting ridiculous. And it ended up being it ended up not being that serious. I was able to kind of walk it off and by like the 7th or 8th hole I was feeling okay again. Ooh, you kept playing, but, damn. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was it was it was uh it, it was not it wasn't a month ago. It was like for Father's Day. And so I was like I I don't want to give up on on my dad. Like I I'm going to keep pushing through this. Um That's awesome. But, you were able to go play disc golf with your dad. Oh, that dude! It's one of the things that we do. That's like we, so cool. my dad and I disc golf all the time during this, especially like during the summertime up here. Like that's kind of the thing that we do. Like we'll disc golf, we'll get some exercise in, and we'll just walk and kind of hang out and talk talk about life and what's going on. My dad's one of my best friends. He's he's been he. My dad's amazing. Um, but uh, yeah. So, but throwing my hamstring out, throwing a frisbee, I was like, this is ridiculous. So one of the things that I've been doing back in the gym is I've been working on specific exercises and using the different machines to kind of help strengthen my hamstring. And I haven't been able to run in a year and a half. Um, it's, it, I just, I can't do anything that involves running. I can't, I, uh, I tried to play softball last summer, like at the beginning of last summer in a church league softball and blew my hamstring out in the very first game, um, running from home plate to first base. It was just, it was ridiculous. And so it's something that has been really, really bothering me where because i i've always my whole life i've been a super active person like i was a four sport guy in high school i played two sports my freshman year of college like i've always played sports i've always been um athletic and and active 
And over the past year and a half to two years, I just haven't been able to do. I can't play a pick. I can't play a pickup game of basketball. I can't play softball. I played varsity tennis in high school and played tennis uh, for a year in college, and absolutely love tennis. But tennis is such a start and stop game that you oh, cannot. Yeah that if you've got bad hamstrings you can't play tennis and so i that's killed me because that was one of the things that me and my dad used to do all the time too is we would just go play a game of tennis together and we haven't been able to do that because i just can't my body can't handle it and so the first two days at the gym this week on sunday and monday um i just kind of i walked on the treadmill for an extended period of time so i walked for like 20 minutes and and like speed walked i was walking fast like um if you you know like on a treadmill like there's the different speeds or whatever mm-hmm. so you know like a 6.5 to a 7 is like a solid jog okay so if you go if you go up to like a four it's like a four is about as fast as you can go without running and so i've been i was doing that just to kind of see how my muscles would would work and how everything would go and then i've been working on this mach- this machine that kind of works your hamstring muscles a little bit so on wednesday was the first time where i was like all right i'm going to try this out so i walked a quarter mile and then i jogged a quarter mile then i walked a quarter mile then i jogged a quarter mile and after i was done with it i was like i'm feeling pretty good like i, I might actually be able to do this and so then this morning I was like, all right, I'm I'm going to do the same thing, but I'm going to increase the speed at which I'm running to the point where instead of just doing kind of a light jog, I'm going to actually like legitimately run and see how my body can handle it. And not only was I able to do it, but I was able to cut like 20 seconds off my mile time nice. um, but between Wednesday and Friday. So that's like one from one workout session to another workout session. I was able to cut that much time off, which a, a 12 minute and 12 second mile is not great. Like when I was at my peak, I was running like seven to eight minute miles. Um, but this, it, it's, it's really, it feels good to be able to, run again and not feel pain um and and so that's been huge and it's something that like part of the reason why i go i've been wanting to go to the gym pretty much every day is because i just want to start rehabbing these muscles in in my hamstrings and we actually so we we have a planet fitness which is which is a huge like chain gym Mm -hmm. um but they have uh the these personal trainers that you can work with that will kind of help come up with a like a pro a workout program for you so my wife and i are going to try to set up an appointment for um monday or tuesday of next week to um get a program going where my uh, i don't know if you knew this but we emily and i were in a really bad car accident last october um yeah i remember seeing that on facebook and and she was in halo for a while because of it too right yeah, she broke um, one of the vertebrae in her neck, oh. and 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 because of it, it caused a lot of issues with her shoulder to the point where like she couldn't even lift her arm up like above her head, and so she's been in physical therapy from like November of last year until just about like a month ago, and um and she finally was like done with physical therapy, which is part of the reason why um, we hadn't been going to the gym is because. Um, we go to the gym together. Like she's my workout buddy. And it's, it's one of the things that we enjoy doing together. Like we enjoy getting health, getting healthy together. And when she wasn't able to go, I didn't go. And I kind of made the excuse like, Oh, well she's not going. I don't need to go. 
And so now that she's able to actually work out again, it's been really nice to be able to go together and to really like focus on getting healthy together. Not just we're going to the gym, but also in actually per- one of the, the, the issues we have when it comes to like eating healthy is our schedules are always so busy that it's really hard to not just like stop and pick something fast food up. Like when we're, when we're running around all the time, yeah. like it's really, it's really difficult to sit down and like make a meal. And so one of the things we've been trying to do is set aside time where we can like um, make make fish and veggies or make make some chicken breasts or or make something like that that we can have real food that's not out of a freezer bag or from a fast food place. Um, and and so that's that's I dude it's it's really exciting to like like i i find my like when i we went to the gym in the morning to normally the the early or the first half of this week we've been going to the gym after work and we had we took today off um as a vacation day and so we were able to go to the gym this morning and we were done at the gym at like 10 10 30 and from then through the rest of this day i've been anticipating tomorrow so that i can go back to the gym nice and and that's just something that's really weird and strange for me. Like I've never felt that much this much excitement to like get healthy again and to like go to the gym regularly and and really like put in the work to finally like I I my whole life I've been super skinny and thin. Like all all the way up until like my early 20s I was like um I I could eat whatever I wanted to, I could drink whatever I wanted to and it wouldn't have any effect on my body. And then I hit like 23 and like that my metabolism, metabolism went away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That metabolism went away. And I mean, and I, and I've talked about this before, but like I'm I have bipolar and so the meds that I have been on have like caused me to gain weight as well. So I have to work like double hard to to kind of combat the negative effects from the medication that I'm on. And so, um, like I, you were saying something about like you were looking in the mirror and you just weren't happy with like what you were seeing. And like, that's the same thing with me. Like I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, man, I look like I'm like six months pregnant right now. (laughs) And, and I just like, I hated it. Like I, I, so I used to look like, uh, I used to love to go to the beach with my wife because a my wife is smoking hot and so I always love like <laughs> going places with her. But um, now like I hate going to the beach because I hate like having my shirt off and and I hate the way that I look and like it's just it's weird because like the upper like my my pecs in the upper part of my body is still like really skinny and then there's just like this belly that's like it almost like separated from the upper part of my body I, I feel like i just have a weird looking body and i just don't like it so i so i'm i'm trying to do what i can to to change that and take it into my own hands but it's i don't know it's exciting yeah that's that's how i've felt my whole life <laughs> I, I've, I've never been happy with the way my body looks and yeah, it's something that's been a constant struggle. And, and I've always, I've always had a, what seems like a slower metabolism. Like I remember the, one of the, the first guys that I used to rock climb with was this, um, uh, Japanese friend of mine, Shige. And I, I swear the dude lived off like, fuck, like gummy worms and oh, stuff. Geez. It was crazy. <laughs> but like this, this one, um, uh, climber from uh, from Columbus, Ohio, that would come and climb with us, gave him the nickname Ab Royalty, because when Shige <laughs> would have his when he would have his shirt off, 
like he would seemingly look twice as big. Like he's he was cut like an action figure. Oh jeez. Like it was it was ridiculous. <laughs> like like you know in Lego Batman where he's like like I have nine abs. That's right, I have a ninth one. It was like that was that was Shige. Like he he'd do these like crazy things where like you know like the like the little ab wheel thing where it's like a wheel and then it's got like the little handles on the sides of it and you're supposed to like be down on your knees and then like you go down into like a plank with it and then you roll oh, it yeah. back up. Yeah. Yeah, he could do that from standing. Oh my god. Like he would be on his feet and he'd hold the, have this thing in his hand and he'd, he'd and like this is a guy who couldn't t- touch his toes. <laughs> like he wasn't Man. super flexible or anything, but he was just crazy strong with his core. And so he yeah. could go down and like so from a standing position, he'd go down with that thing on the ground, go all the way out to a plank with his hands, you know, basically up above his head and they'd roll it all the way back up into a standing position. That's insane. Or like he could sit cross-legged under like a climbing, you know, like a thick climbing rope, like would be in like the school gymnasium when you're in elementary school. He had one of those hanging up in his auto shop and he could sit cross-legged on the floor and like hook his toes over his legs and then just hand over hand that rope all the way up to the ceiling and then like slowly do one arm lock offs and lower himself all the way back down to the ground with his legs stayed crossed the whole time. Good night. But it'd be like, <laughs> but you'd ask him what his nutrition program was, and he's like, "Oh, I eat lots of gummy worms, and occasionally I have rice and an egg." And it's like, it's like, are you serious? And then when he started getting injuries, and it's like, dude, no wonder you're getting injured. You're putting yourself like he would do dips. Keep in mind, this is like a hundred and fifty pound little Asian guy. He would mm-hmm. do dips with a weight belt on that would make him weigh like three hundred and fifty pounds, and then he would do dips. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. The guy, the guy could put himself through these just insane punishments where he was totally just shredding down his muscle fibers, but then he really wasn't getting himself much protein to build himself back up with. Yeah. And then yeah, he, he, he ended up stopping climbing because, I mean, one, I mean, sure, he had a, a plethora of reasons, but I know one of them was that he was just getting all these reoccurring injuries and it was getting to the point where it was affecting him in his job. Like there were certain mm. tools that like when he was going to work on a car that like he'd have a hard time holding the impact wrench because it was hurting his wrist and, and shit. And he knew that it was aggravated from climbing mm. and man, it, it's but like, it, it, <laughs> there's so many of my friends that in, in so many of my, my friends that, that climb, you know, they're all so freaking cut. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but then like, like my friend Alberto that, that I had on, on an earlier episode of this, like he eats really well, like he eats organic and everything. And then you mm-hmm. look at some of my other friends and it's like, dude, you live off bar food. Like you live off Mountain Dew. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but you guys are dude. so insanely cut. Like I would love, and, and to not say that these guys, I mean, these guys climb really hard. Like they, they put in a lot of hours. They, they do a lot of physical work, you know, some of them in their jobs and stuff. But at the same time, it's like, you guys don't eat a good diet and you get to look that good. I wish I had that metabolism. Dude, Mountain Dew is my kryptonite. I, uh, (laughs) I, I drinks, I used to drink so much pop and I, uh, we went to that bonfire last Saturday and I ended up picking up a 12 pack, um, of Mountain Dew to bring to the bonfire. Now I wasn't expecting to drink all that. I was bringing it more so that everybody else could have some too. But I ended up drinking like four Mountain Dews that night. Oh my gosh! And <laughs> and was just so wired. And that was the night before we went and got the gym membership. So the next day we go and get the gym membership. And I've now I've got this twelve pack of Mountain Dew here at my house where I've got still like seven or eight cans left. 
And dude, every night this week, I've been I've looked over at that and I was like, man, I really want a Mountain Dew right now. And I haven't had a Mountain Dew since last Saturday. Oh, wow, um, nice man. So I I'm almost like. I feel like I'm punishing myself. Like I'm leaving the Mountain Dew in open sight so that I can look at it all the time and be like, you can't have that. You can't have that. <laughs> Whatever works for you, right? <laughs> so, yeah, but I'm trying I'm trying to cut out pop because I think that's a big thing for me. Um, and, and also, I'm not really supposed to have caffeine, uh, and, and I have way more than I should. And so I'm trying to cut out, like, caffeine, period, but also just the – the as i sit here and drank a two liter of sunny delight but um (laughs) (laughs) i i always i always drink a ton whenever i podcast especially when it's extended podcasts that are several hours because i just um it keeps my voice oh able to able to talk but um dude yeah so when i I first started podcasting i fell into the habit of okay i'm i'm going into this I'm stoked to be doing it, but I'm not that familiar with it. I want it to be good, and so I'd have nerves. And Mm -hmm. it got to the point where I was like, oh, I'm podcasting. I better have some beer for tonight. And it's like, (laughs) I was like, dude, you are introducing your audience to Two Drink Joe, (laughs) who who is so much more outgoing (laughs) than regular Joe. And so now it's like, now I've been doing good. Like, I, I haven't been drunk on podcasts in a while. Despite how silly the comic cast may sound, (laughs) that's funny. (laughs) But like, um, but I mean, I I do much better on the podcast with water. (laughs) Yeah, I yeah, I don't have to pee near as much either. I mean, it was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I uh, man, for the the last few months, it's been bad when we've done podcasting for Joe Schmo. Where like I will go to the to the gas station and get like three or four uh, Mountain Dews or energy drinks or something, <laughs> and and I will drink all of them during the process of podcasting. Oh. So then we get so then we get done podcasting and it's like twelve one a.m. and I'm like super wired and jacked yeah. because I just drank four monsters in the last three hours, and so I always end up sleeping terribly um after after pod so like most of the so most of the nights when i do podcasting because i'm so wired and, and awake or whatever we'll finish at like one i'm usually up to like two thirty three in the morning editing the podcast because i just oh, can't nice. sleep i just can't sleep so i, <laughs> I i'm cow. like you know what i might as well take advantage of the time while i'm awake and just edit this podcast <laughs> that's a good way to look at it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and I know that if I don't edit it right away, that I, it's I'm gonna have to like have, have to find because I love podcasting, but editing podcasts are like the bane of my existence. Oh. I hate edit. I hate editing podcasts. And so if I know that if I don't do it while I have the motivation right now, that it's, uh, I'm pr- I'm probably not gonna get it done anytime soon. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, man, I remember back to the early days, like my first couple episodes of this. They took me. Early days, so which was like long like to edit. Like it'd be like ago. seven hours to edit. It'd be like, how I many work. times do I have to listen to this podcast through before I'm like, okay, it's good enough to upload? Yeah, it, it, yeah. And, and now well, I, I first... just like keep notes next to me with timestamps, and I like go directly to those things. I fix the things that need fixed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, dude. My 
so my editing when I, we started the show, I would go through and I would edit out all the ums, I would edit yep. out all the the this the spaces between where there was just <laughs> silence. I would edit out all of that stuff, and yeah. yeah it, me it would take me twice the length of the podcast to edit those those and put those together yeah. now now i go through and i most like 75 percent of the time that i spend editing the podcast is just waiting for it to export and waiting for it to um compress and waiting for yep. it to do yep. the different the different things to it because now I'll, I'll go in and I'll add the bumpers and everything afterwards. But other than that, I don't edit out the ums. I don't edit out the the, the silence between things. I just leave it all in there, and it, what you get is what you get. <laughs> We've been doing this. Agree. We've been doing this for three years, and uh, I mean, I've just come to the realization that like the audience that we have is great, but the audience we have is what we have. There's like at this point, there's not going to be some like astronomical growth that's going to take place and everybody who listens to it they're already buckled in for the ride so they know what to expect and if new people come on board that's great but um, we're just going to kind of do our thing and if you like it you like it if you don't then there's a million other podcasts that you could be listening to (laughs) (laughs) dude uh, your podcast was one of the ones that that changed the direction of my life believe it or not listening to that you guys, really? yeah, you guys' episode when you first talked about the uh, DC Universe Rebirth book. Okay. You guys talked about it, and you guys made it sound so awesome. And, and up to that point, I had a bookshelf with a lot of Batman trades on it, and okay. that was all I had. You know, and and you know, I had some other random books that. You know, but nothing that was like really DC. Like I didn't have any Flash books. I didn't have any Green Lantern. Nothing, nothing mm-hmm. else like that. It was just Batman books. And if I was introduced to other characters from DC, and it was just purely because they were in that book. Like yeah. I think Hush was probably the one that introduced me to the most amount of different characters, just because there's <sighs> such a big cast in that book. Hush is so good, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I want that to be the next Batman movie so badly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Tell me about it. That would be. Oh, it would be huge. I, I mean, they'd have to have so many to do it justice. You, in my mind, yeah. you, you just gotta follow it. You get, you gotta, you gotta put it in the way it is. Like, mm-hmm. d- do yeah. do something like. But there's, do you, you literally the, get, you literally get the entire Batman Rogues Gallery in there, though. Like, it would be such a jam packed oh, movie if they yeah. did it. <laughs> it's got, it's got Superman in it. You're gonna have yeah. to cast oh, yeah. Superman to go in there for a little bit. And, yeah, uh, and, the, and the Jim Lee art. It's what an amazing book. But mm-hmm. but yeah, you guys you guys talked about that DC Universe rebirth, and I was like, that sounds so cool. Mm-hmm. And then with the amount of heart that was the, the the that was in that book and everything, I was like, I've I got to do this. I I know where the local comic shop is. I've never been there before. I've driven past it a million times, you know. Because previously, I'd I'd go and get my trades from like Barnes and Noble, and I'd pay retail oh, for them. And, don't do that. You know, tell me, please tell it. me, please tell me you don't do that anymore. No. Oh, good. <laughs> Good. And, and actually, I, I get all my trades now on Amazon just because it's such a good deal. So Amazon or in-stock trades is a good place that you can get them to. I don't okay. know if you've ever heard of that. Nope, but I'll have to check that out. In-stock trades, uh, I think it's just like instocktrades.com where they the, – the, Downside of it is the shipping is kind of high, but you can get like new trades and stuff that come out for like fifty percent off. Nice. Um, so you you can get like a like an, a twenty four dollar trade for like 
13 14 bucks um so yeah in stock trades is a really it, it's free shipping if you spend 50 dollars. so the only time i've ever really used them is when i get like gift cards or birthday money or something like that where i've got like a good chunk of change and then i'll just go on to in stock trades and just put like get like four or five trades on there um and then just get it all at once get the free shipping yeah and then i only and then i only end up paying like when it rounds out i mean there's they've got trades on there for as low as like six bucks and i'm talking like dc and marvel trades for like six to ten bucks um so i mean they've That's got a good deal for those those are usually pretty yeah. expensive and they've usually got like deals going on like deals of the week where they've got certain books that are like extra discounted so yeah check out in stock trades i i really i like them and um they've been their their shipping is usually pretty good they usually usually get it within about a week so it's not too bad nice yeah and then you know with the shipping i I love amazon prime but i live close enough to my post office that they will they require me to have a p.o box but oh really don't charge me for it it's free but I just oh, okay. I live like a block away from the post office, so like we're not going to deliver to you. But that means that I don't get two day shipping on Prime. Oh, yeah. So I get five day shipping. That sucks. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> I mean, I still appreciate that it's free. But what's funny is if I were to ship it to my in laws' house, like in the Cedar Rapids area, then I could get it in two days. I just got to drive <laughs> there and pick it up. It's it's. it's I've spent way too much time thinking like, who can I email and bitch about this? <laughs> do, <laughs> so, so, do I email the so post you post office, do I email Amazon? <laughs> so you can't, so you can't do Amazon prime two day shipping to a PO box. Apparently not the one that I use. <laughs> Weird. So do you, you never have anything like even regular mail doesn't come to your house. It goes straight to the, the PO box. Everything goes to the PO box. That's it that kind of sucks. It sucks big time. I'd love to. What about like? Well, and then what about just a block packages? away from my house, they got mailboxes. Huh. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, but I'm close enough to where I'm in this radius <laughs> around the post office where they're like, "We're gonna make your ass walk up here." <laughs> you just need to move like a half mile down the road. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh man! You should you should just buy a mailbox, put it there, and be like, "You're shipping this to me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Just take a stand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, for a while, every once in a while, I'll do that where I'll be like, "You know what? I'm gonna go a whole week without checking my mailbox because I bet it annoys those workers in there that they're like, why is this guy picked up his mail? Jeez, we're really stuffing this in there.' It's like, yeah, <laughs> dude, I got I got so pissed one day. The post office." Um, I had, I had a bunch of stuff that was going to be coming like within like the same day or two window and it all ended up coming on the same day. And I know that I checked the mail the day before, but I went to the mailbox the next day and there's a note in there saying your mailbox is too full. You need to check your mail more often. Uh And I'm like, I just checked it yesterday. And so I went to the, the, and by the time that I had, I had checked the mail, I had gotten home late that night and I wasn't able to go to the, um, to the post office. And so I ended up going to the post office the next day and brought him the note. And I was like, I'm not sure why I got this note. I check my mail daily. I'm not sure. He was like, well, you, you might've had too much mail. I'm like, did you not just hear me? I check my mail daily. There's no way that there was anything. And he goes back and gets it. And it's like five packages. <laughs> There's no way they would have been able to fit. And like, some of them are like big packages that wouldn't have been able to fit in the mailbox. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why didn't you like come ring my doorbell? I was home. 
uh, or, or I wasn't home, but there were there was somebody home when you were here. You could have just left it. You didn't have to like take it back to the post office. I want my stuff now. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I, I got you off. I got us off on a tangent. But what were you saying about the the DCU rebirth? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys talked about that, and it, it got me stoked. And I was like, okay, I've I've got to read this book, and. And so I, I went in to my shop and I remember the first time I went in there, I was like so intimidated because I went in and it's like, there are comic books on every wall. There's, mm-hmm. there's boxes along that entire back wall. That's just stuffed full. I didn't even know where to start. Yeah. And, and there was like other people in there and they clearly knew what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like looking at all these titles and, and so finally I just go up to the counter. I'm like, uh, yeah, do you have DC Universe Reverse? And she's like, oh, no, it's it's like on its fifth printing now. And I was like, well, can you order yeah. me one? I was like, I'd really, I'd love to read it. And so then I got I got it. And then um, there was like enough ads in the in the issue to where then I'm seeing all these other awesome covers. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I, there's like all these books I wanted to read just based on the title and the cover. And so, I, yeah, I ended up jumping on all these different titles and and one of them was Deathstroke, and then listening to like a really early supercast, Jordan had talked about how he liked Deathstroke, so I ended up emailing their show, being like, like, dude, I love Deathstroke too, and now I do a podcast with Jordan on comic books, <laughs> and like none of that would have started if I pro- if I wouldn't have listened to that episode of Joe Schmo Comic Show where you guys got me stoked to read. <laughs> that is awesome. Know, that is super that, awesome. <laughs> um. So what kind of, where where did your transition happen between going from like reading the DC stuff to starting to read more of the image stuff? When did that happen? Um Okay, so I'm thinking the Okay, so when when I started like texting with Jordan a lot and then we were talking about the different books we were reading, he was telling me over and over again that I got to read Saga. And so, okay. so volume one of saga might've been the first image trade that I bought. Okay. And then I'm, where did it go from there? Then I think I picked up maybe sex criminals. I know birthright was one that I got pretty early on. Oh, it, it, birthright it, is so oh. good. <laughs> so good. I, I just, I read the first uh, rec- four trades. That's all the further I'm along on it. So I collected the single issues up until issue 19 before I canceled my pull list last fall. And which was like one issue away from that, fi- from the, the trade being, or the, that story arc being done. So a couple months later, I went back and picked up the issue 20 to finish that arc. And then when I started a pull list about, two months ago again um i i was like trying to figure out what books to put on there and i didn't realize that like birthright had taken a little bit of a break or something and so they were they were all it was only like five issues behind so i just over the past couple weeks have been getting the the issues 21 through 25 and read it this past week and it's like Every single trade of this book gets better and better and better. And it's just, and the art is absolutely gorgeous. Andre Bresson is just a genius. His art is just breathtaking um it's it's some of the best art of any comic that i've that i'm reading but um nice yeah saga is one that like i've read i own and i've read the first trade and i loved it but i just haven't gone back 
and bought more. Um, same thing with Wicked and Divine. Have you read that at all? No, it's it's on my Amazon list, but that is it's a must read. The, the, what's funny too is okay, just just for fun, let's check this out. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you how many books are on my Amazon list, and these are. Oh, dude, I wouldn't even be able to to start listing mine. Mine is I've got literally hundreds of books on my uh, Amazon wish list for books that I want. <laughs> I have fifty four, <laughs> and yeah, Wicked and Divine is one of those. Dude, dude, Wicked and Divine is phenomenal. It's a su- and the art in that book is super amazing too. Um, I got to meet uh, Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey at C two E two earlier this year, and super nice. Uh, I think I think one of them is Scottish and the other one's British or something like that. But um super nice guys, but that book's phenomenal. Uh but yeah, dude, Image is like I don't think Image puts out a bad book. <laughs> There's very few that like the that, that I've listened to or been like, "Eh, I don't really care for this." I mean like I think the most recent one was The Divided States of Hysteria. I didn't care for that. Yeah. I I yeah, I thought, I've heard I, I picked it up at the shop and opened the pages and was looking at it and was like, this doesn't just kind of looks terrible. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not a good artist, so part of me feels like a douche when, when I say I didn't care for the art in this book, but I didn't care for the art in that book. I mean, I don't know yeah. saying that say that like I could do better, but it's just it just didn't you know, and art's subjective and mm-hmm. it, it just didn't capture me. Well, that I haven't. I don't know anything about that issue, but I know that the the creator of that book has been getting like tons of like backlash for like some of the ways that he's like I think represented like violence against women or something like that in the book. Um, so yeah, he's it's not been it's not been very critically well well critically received. But yeah, we we talked we recorded our most recent episode of Comic Cast last night and then we trashed it pretty hard. <laughs> oh, did you, oh you guys read it? Yeah, yeah, we talked okay. we talked a lot. Is, of shit is that on it. Is, is that what it is? Is there like some violence towards women or something in there? Is that what the issue was? There there is a scene in that where you find out that one character ends up being um like basically like a chick with a dick. Oh. And when these guys find out that's... about it, they they start beating her up pretty bad. Mm. And and that's one of it. But the the big theme in it that I didn't care for is that it's like the divided states of hysteria is basically it's divided, meaning that there's like a race war going that's starting between blacks and whites. Why would and I'm like, so well, I'm like, what is this? I'm like, this is like dumb shit that like Charles Manson was talking about in the '60s, and you're gonna like bring yeah. this back in. It's like hmm. of all the things that you could talk about in America right now being divided. It's like you want to make it over race. It's like there's obviously huge divisions going on in America, and it's having to do with different ideals and and more. Mm-hmm. I think with people playing team, picking teams, yeah, and and putting team mentality into politics and just being like, mm-hmm. well, no matter what this person does, he has an R behind his name, so I'm going to support him. No matter what this person does, they have a D behind their name. I'm going to support them. And yeah. and it's like, dude, that's that's a huge division in this country. But and, and mm-hmm. you'd want to turn it into some race thing that like really. Uh, I don't know. I, I I didn't care for the book at all. <laughs> did you? But it, did it you was an image book, so now I guess I can't yeah. say I love all image books. But I'll yeah, tell you what, dude, I've got over thirty trades on my bookshelf right now, and they're all my most recent trades I've bought, and they're all image. Yeah. Did you guys check out that Kill the Minotaur? Uh, the new the new image book that no, just came the, out like there, a couple weeks ago. There was a um, 
a uh, like a sneak peek at the end of one of the titles, and I read that, and it looked pretty cool. I I didn't pick it up. I really wish I would have, but um, I I've not heard anybody that's read it, so I have no idea if it's good or not. Um, but I'd absolutely did you read it? Have you guys read Shirtless Bear Fighter? I was just telling my wife earlier about how I was so annoyed that my shop didn't have any of them. It's oh like, no! I'm go out seeking this weekend. I I might actually I'll drive like 45 minutes to go to a different shop and see if they've got it. And if all if else you fails, can't... I'm gonna order it from mid from Midtown. Yeah, I was going to say, try like Midtown or Forbidden Planet or something like that. But yeah, um, when you guys talked about it on your most recent episode of Josh Ma, I was just dying. I was like, oh, it, I have to read this. It's amazing. I have to read it's this. It's amazing. It's, you're going to love it. It's so <laughs> fantastic and just ridiculous and hilarious. And the art's really unique and, and awesome. And yeah, it's it's hysterical. It's it's. It's one of the funniest books that I've read from Image in a really long time because mm-hmm. Image does really good serious drama, like dramatic stuff. Yeah. But I I don't see a, a ton of like comedy books mm-hmm. coming out of like in general. There's not a, there's not a ton of comedy books um, that like Chips anything by Chip Zdarsky you know is going to make you laugh. Yeah, um, Sex Criminals Volume One was pretty funny. I haven't continued mm-hmm. it on yet. It didn't really hook me enough. Yeah, but... I. And then uh, Chip Zdarsky is really good at writing comedy and doing comedy, but I'm so hit and miss on like – like I loved his Jughead book that he did, his, his um, the solo Jughead book. And then um, I, I reviewed on the most recent Joe Schmo, the he did a new Spider-Man book, which I was really not a huge fan of. Is that um, the Peter Parker one? Yeah. yeah I've got yep. the digital here, but I haven't read it yet. I, I read it. I'd be interested to hear what you think about it. It's not. It's not necessarily bad. It's just it. It, it wasn't like it didn't blow my mind at all. Um, and the art felt really like um, house art. It didn't. It didn't really feel like unique or like there was any kind of um, like unique flair to it at all. It just felt like oh, this is what superhero art should look like. Um, which is weird because I'm pretty sure it's like Andy Kubert or like some like some big name, and I just wasn't super crazy about it. But um, the, yeah, there's not a lot of like funny, funny, like, truly funny comic books out there. Um, and Shortlist Bear Fighter was like had me rolling audibly as I was reading it. <laughs> I loved hearing you guys talk about. it. I was like, no, no. <laughs> there's just so many things. Where I was like, ah, oh. like. I was on the fence about like it was one that was like like okay this looks silly I I'd love to read it but if I would have heard your podcast before I went into the comic shop because I usually go in on Thursdays and I ended up listening to your uh, episode in the afternoon on Thursday so I'd already stopped in over my lunch break okay and I was like man I would have. <laughs> I'd been up at the counter being like, are you getting more of these in? Do you, do yeah. you have anybody? Because uh, there's this one customer that'll come in and he'll buy a book and then he'll come in like the next week and just trade it right back in. Because he, he like wants to read the stories, but he doesn't necessarily want to collect the books. You can do that? Uh, apparently. Like like he doesn't like get full price back or whatever. Like he sells it back and then she turns Weird. around. Weird. And and sells it for I mean because it's still a shell it's still a, like a, a shelf book or a wall book or whatever so I mean she can as long as it's in good shape she can turn around and sell it for retail again probably 
That's super weird. I've never heard of anybody yeah. doing that. <laughs> That's how I ended up getting the very first issue of what is, Unworthy what Thor. Is he, what does he think this is? Like a library? <laughs> you can't just you can't just buy a. That's weird. Well, he's paying I don't, retail I don't for like it, that. and then he's probably only getting like a dollar back, and, he, and he's probably gets it in his trade in or something like that. But I it's don't like, care. It's That's... like the guy doesn't want to buy digital. He wants to read it in print, but he doesn't want to have a big collection of comic books. Is the, is the way that she explained it to me, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you have I, a very so strong dumb. about this. <laughs> that's so stupid. Like, I can't like either read digitally or read physically. Don't be the douche who buys an issue and then brings it back and then gives somebody else a used issue. Like, who knows what you're doing with that comic book? <laughs> Maybe for all for all we know, you could have been taking a poop while you were reading that comic book. I don't want those poop particles all over my book. <laughs> <laughs> You make a very good point. I bet a lot of people read on the can. I bet since the advent of smartphones, though, I wonder how much that's gone down. <laughs> oh, dude, I still read it. We, I have a, I have a J- Jeremiah who's a letter on my book, and then um, Tim, who is the the guy who helped edit me, and then another guy named Mark. Tim and Mark have a podcast called um, Comic Nerds Unite, and we have this group chat because um, I used to be like a semi regular guest on their podcast, and. We had this thing for the longest time where we would all just like shoot each other a message and say, let's poo this. And then we would take a picture of the book that we were reading while we were sitting on the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. I've never heard of that before. (laughs) Did you ever watch uh, Seinfeld? Uh, I've seen episodes of it. I'm not a huge fan of it, but there is an episode where, uh, George goes into some bookstore and he needs to take a crap and he just grabs a book off the shelf and takes it into the bathroom. <laughs> and when he comes out, he tries to put it on the shelf and some employee catches him and they force him to buy it. And it's That's like hilarious. a super expensive, like art book. Or something like that. And so then I think he's spending the whole rest of the episode, like trying to like get it, like he's trying to like get somebody else to go and return it or something like that. And, <laughs> You know, Larry David and silliness writing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, no, of course but... everybody's going to remember this is the shit book. <laughs> you know, they did some study, like, with all the different bacteria they find on the average smartphone. And, and uh, there's definitely poo particles on there from people using them on the toilet. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure. So I'm sure. Nasty. I would I would say I would I would venture to say that probably 60 to 75% of people's social media posts happen while they're on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I had I had a guy uh somebody that I'm friends with on Facebook post something like a couple weeks ago that was like just want you all to know that 90% of my social media posts are while I'm taking a dump. <laughs> <laughs> I like the honesty behind that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you do you, man. You do you. <laughs> <laughs> no, Louis CK's got some bit about like technology boiling down to like leaving a rude YouTube comment while you're taking a runny dump. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Louis C.K. He's what I love. Louis C.K. Oh man. He goes, who, are, who are some of your favorite comedians? Um, uh, Bill Burr is probably my favorite. Like, oh man, just so many of his recent stand-up specials have been so good. Mm. And um, uh, I listen to quite a bit of Joe Rogan's podcast, and so I always get introduced to new comedians on that. 
And so um, I'm a really big fan of Tom Segura and um, Ari Shafir as well. And both of those are comics that I was introduced to from from listening to his podcast. And um, when I was younger, I really, really liked Dennis Leary a lot, like specifically his No Cure for Cancer album. And then when I got older, I come to find out that like a lot of that material was just straight ripped off Mm -hmm. from, um, oh, who's the dude he ripped it off from? I can't think of it now. If you look up his Wikipedia page, it's actually on his Wikipedia page that he stole <laughs> this from this guy. And oh, it's gonna drive me nuts. That I can't think. Of it. He was like a real revolutionary comic, and he kind of died young. Anyway, <laughs> Are you, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, somebody that died young who was a good comedian. Um, it wasn't the it wasn't the blonde guy, was it? Oh, what's his name? Oh man, that's gonna bug me now too. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I remember think... he, he was it was like back in the nineties, he was like talking about Terrence McKenna and and stuff like that before anybody really knew who that guy was. He was like kinda like a big proponent of psychedelics and stuff like that. But it, it was back when you really didn't hear people talking about that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, this is I... riveting podcasting that I can't think of this guy's <laughs> name. <laughs> <laughs> um and I'm trying to to look it up, and I am not finding anything. But uh, yeah, I I really love Aziz Ansari. Yeah, I think he's hysterical. <laughs> I love every comedy special that he's done. Um, have you ever heard of Nikki Glaser? Yeah, yeah, she's pretty funny too. She's his, oh, I love her. She's abs- absolutely hilarious. Um, do you listen to like Nerdist at all? Uh, nope, I've never listened to it before. I've heard really? it referenced okay. a lot, but I've just never listened to it. Because that's where I've I've like been introduced to a lot of um, comedians. Is, is stuff is on that show. Um, if you like Joe Rogan, I think you'd like Nerdist. Um, well, it's based, it it's it's Chris Hardwick who's everywhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but Nerdist was like his his first thing that like really um, brought him back into notoriety again. And and then like everything else that he's done has come because of Nerdist and like this brand that he's created. It, Mitch Hedberg is that the guy? That's not him, but he's one of my favorites. And yeah, he tragically died young. I think heroin. Yeah. He had uh, a style that was totally unto himself. Oh, with, totally. With his cadence and then just mm-hmm. the weird way that he would write jokes. <laughs> like I remember the like one he, that we would like always almost, repeat. In like school. almost like he would ask questions yeah. and then like like that like he'd tell a joke in the form of a question. <laughs> <laughs> We'd always repeat this one bit he did where he's talking about like you'd be out in the woods and like a frog would come up to you and you would put it in a mayonnaise jar with a stick and a leaf to recreate the environment from which it came. <laughs> it's just so funny. It's like that is so weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh I love Mitch Hedberg. Uh Hannibal Burris is a guy that I really yes. I think he's he's pretty hilarious. <laughs> Have um, you heard his thing? It's like a short little bit about uh, the first time he had to take a shit in an airplane and he went through all these emotions. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> like, like, like denial and then acceptance and then finally happiness. There's a whole bunch from like, like, nah, I, yeah. I ain't taking a shit up in this. I ain't taking a shit in this plane. He's like, I guess we're taking a shit up in this plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His <laughs> delivery is hilarious. <laughs> the, the first time that he was on Rogan's podcast, Rogan was talking to him about hunting. And uh, and he's like, he's like you need to get a T-shirt said that just says blam blam we eating ham. <laughs> and the way he 
thought it was so great. I'm like, that would be a really funny T-shirt. <laughs> I want that T-shirt now. <laughs> Man, we should we should make that T-shirt. We should make that. I know enough graphic designers. I could probably have that T-shirt made. <laughs> I'm sure you can find memes of it online. <laughs> you should you should just you call this you should just call this episode Blam Blam We're Eating Ham. <laughs> That'll be the subtitle. <laughs> That'd be perfect. Jared Gafford, Blam Blam, we're eating ham. <laughs> Trademark Candle Burst. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm gonna cover my bases. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Uh. <laughs> um uh. Uh, let's see. Um so have you seen have you seen uh, m- m- any of Bill Burr's specials? Um I've I've not I've never so I don't usually watch specials. I usually like listen to them on like Spotify or like the albums that they put out. Uh-huh. So I've list I've listened to to some Bill Burr stuff. I haven't listened to a ton. I do think he's hilarious, but um I just I don't know I just haven't gone back and like actually listened to like one of his specials from beginning to end. I need to though. He's actually coming to Grand Rapids um, oh. sometime in the near future. Yeah, if you're into seeing live comedy, go see that. Yeah. I man, I do you know who Jen Kirkman is? Yeah. Do you like her? Yeah, she's pretty funny. Uh, so the only experience that I had, so Chris Hardwick does a show called At Midnight on Comedy Central and it's basically this uh game show where they uh take like things that have gone viral on social media and they just like create jokes around it and then like they get points for it it's they, there's not like a real structure to it but they he always has comedians on and that's where I was introduced to Jen Kirkman and she was always hilarious on this show and I don't like I'm not a huge fan of like really really filthy comedy like if if there's like language and stuff like that like i can i can deal with that and 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 be okay but like if it gets really really filthy i can't i just it, i feel awkward listening to it yeah i know what you and, mean. and and my wife is is very like does not she's not a huge stand up comedian fan anyways but she really really doesn't like dirty comedy and when we saw Jen Kirkman on Comedy Central on At Midnight, she was like really, really, really funny, and she was fairly clean. And so um, Emily had seen a couple of the episodes that I was watching of that with her on there, and always laughed whenever she when she saw Jen Kirkman's answers to these um, these questions and stuff. And so I got tickets. Jen Kirkman came to Grand Rapids and I got tickets for it. And we went and there were two local, semi-local, um, it was, it was an, it was, yeah, openers and it was an all female show. So it was all female comedians, which is cool. But the opening two comedians were just like, unbearably filthy like talking about like dirty tampons and like just like gross stuff and 
And so like we were so we sat through all that and the entire time I like I'm looking over at, at Emily's face and she's just like beat red and just like it, it just does not want to be there and I'm feeling embarrassed because like I wasn't planning on coming to like a really filthy comedy show and that's what ended up happening and yeah. like it was so that was the last time that we've gone to 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 a stand up comedy show um the the two of us I saw Chris Hardwick about 2 years ago um which was really he's really really funny live um i I love chris hardwick people people either hate him or they love him i think he's hilarious i he's he yes he has way too many after shows and he's on way too many (laughs) way too much stuff but um he he seems like a like kind of a genuinely nice guy um if you if you listen to the nerdist it's basically him just interviewing celebrities and comedians and writers and and bands and and just whoever he feels like interviewing um and it's 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 really good i i I don't know he's he just he seems like somebody that i could hang out with and like have a good time with and like crack jokes and talk about nerdy stuff (laughs) yeah yeah i'll check out the nerdist that sounds awesome um Uh, have, have you ever heard of brian regan Oh, yeah, I love okay, Brian I Regan. Say, he's like one of the best clean comics. And... Him and Jim Gaffigan are two of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, did you ever hear Brian Regan's bit about? He's like, we gotta talk to, we gotta talk to this person that's selling cranberries, and just tell him to take a day off. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> I don't, he's I don't like, remember that. He's one. like, what's going on with cranberries? They're getting all the other juices. <laughs> <laughs> true it is true you've got like cran grape and you've got cran apple and like <laughs> i love that bit i just i love the way that guy talks yeah I mean, yeah there's some people that just just the way like and that was like with mitch hedberg mitch hedberg just the way they talk <laughs> is funny yeah and, and then when you find out that it's like oh they're also a brilliant writer it's like oh that's great and and i totally know what you mean about about the dirty comics and like my my view on it is a little like like I said you know like I was in middle school when I was listening to that Dennis Leary album, yeah, <laughs> and like like I don't even know how old I was the first time I heard Sam Kinison, his mm-hmm. his bits about about the gay Terminator. <laughs> Did you ever hear that? I have not heard. It was that. so crazy. Like I'm the gay Terminator. Let me see what you got down there, little man. <laughs> it's so like I remember laughing about that like. Like when I was way too young to know what any of that was. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, like, you, you're talking Carlin about like, stuff and like, oh. Oh, dude, I love George Carlin. Um, <laughs> do, do you have you heard of Mike Berbiglia? Oh yes, he's hilarious. He's such a great storyteller. And, and and that goes back to when years and years ago I used to listen to Bob and Tom all the time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, since I've heard like a bunch of different comedians on podcasts kind of tell horror stories, of what it was like to do Bob and Tom. And then also mm-hmm. once I discovered podcasts, I was like, okay, there's no going back to terrestrial radio for me. Oh, like, totally. Like, number one, I can't, I can't listen to all those commercials. Ads? Oh my um, gosh. Because do, do you want to know what my biggest problem with commercials is? Is it seems like they think that we're idiots. Yeah. And that if you're a guy, you make buying decisions with your penis. <laughs> I don't need some girl with a sultry voice trying to sell me tires 
or something like that. It's so <laughs> stupid. It's like, listen. Do you, need, do you need these 28 inches on your car? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it offends me. And it doesn't offend me that it's like, oh, they're using sexuality. It offends me because they think I'm stupid. Yeah. That it's like, yeah, there's a lot of people out there whose decisions are ruled by their dicks. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not one of those. <laughs> yeah. And so don't the, try the, and talk to me like like I am. And the only live the only live radio show that I listen to is a show here in Grand Rapids. It's a sports show called Greg Big Drew and Jim. And Big Drew is a buddy of mine. And so oh, nice. I like to listen I like to listen to his show and support him and um he's 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 great on air. Uh, and, and it's, it's a solid sports show. Uh, but yeah, the, the commercials and ads and stuff, I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, but you know, with Bob and Tom, that was my first introduction to Mike Birbiglia and I loved okay. it when he would do his, uh, secret journal entries. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever heard any of those, but man, mm-hmm. they were so good. And <laughs> do you remember that comedy central special he did where like, there was like a big screen behind him and it had like a picture of like an Arctic Fox on it the whole time. I, I don't, <laughs> like, the like I said, I normally, ever for comedy. I normally listen to, to comedy albums. I don't really watch them that often. So I don't think I saw that, <laughs> but yeah, it was a good one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love dude, I love stand up comedy so much. Like when I'm when I'm at work and like I'm having a really crappy day, I'll just put on like a a, a comedy album and it just like cheers me up right away. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and you know, I like I like all range of it cuz I can be just mm-hmm. as happy listening to a good clean comic as I can with a dirty comic and but it, it's all coming from different places for me. And like, I like the roast style comedy, even though like, I feel like I'm not good at that sort of stuff. Like, like the way Vitaly busts my balls <laughs> all the time, yeah. like on the supercast, <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm like, I love it. Like it cracks me up, but I feel like I can't do it in return. Like, yeah, <laughs> I just don't have that sort of funny or same here. I feel like if if we were face to face, I could do that sort of stuff better because then you could see in my face that that I'm joking around. But I think like over a podcast, it would come out just vicious. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Because it's like yeah. I do have a dark sense of humor, and it's like I would never go out of my way to like offend someone or hurt someone's feelings. But I would be afraid. Right. It'd be like. I don't know. I have, I have a long history of putting my foot in my mouth when it's like, I think I'm being funny. It's like, no, that was horrific, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> so I try and I try and grow as a person and not do yeah. that to people anymore. <laughs> uh, have you ever listened to John Mulaney? Uh, yes. Yeah, I've I've listened to two of his stand-up specials. Yeah, he's his, he's hilarious, and I love his specials, but he tried to do a show on Fox, and it was terrible. <laughs> Did you ever watch that? No, I didn't even know it he'd was, done one. He was trying to do a show, like, based around his life. And, and like it was it was like loosely based on his reality, like similar to how Seinfeld is or like those kind of shows. And it was just like a complete ripoff and just terror. He's he's a great stand up comedian, but he's a terrible actor. At least he was in this show. It was just horrific acting. Um, and yeah, it was it was bad. But um, <laughs> on the on the we done one. On the other end of the spectrum, have you seen? Did you watch the Jim Gaffigan show when it was on? Uh. Uh-uh. It was he. It was on like it was on like True TV or like some weird station, or it might have even been like TV Land. Um, 
and it's hysterical. Uh, did you ever watch How I Met Your Mother? Uh, I watched like a bit of the first season. Okay, and then I never uh, really watched it past that. Okay, well, there's a there's a um, a woman on there that's one of Ted's love interests who plays Jim Gaffigan's wife in the TV show, mm-hmm. and it's hilarious. Like Jim Gaffigan is a brilliant writer, he is. and and actually, and actually, that show was written by him and his wife. His wife is a brilliant writer too, um, and so the, it was. I would I would I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but if you can find it online somewhere, it might have been. It was like it was weird because it was like on two networks. It, I think it was maybe like tbs and tv land or something like that but if you can find it streaming somewhere i would recommend checking it out because it's really really funny and it's like it's it's what you would imagine jim gaffigan would be like in real life (laughs) (laughs) he had such a unique or he has such a unique style too where like he'll use that weird voice and do like the inner monologue of the audience yeah (laughs) what what is he saying (laughs) I think he's wearing a blouse. I think I, that's definitely much, a woman's shirt. <laughs> how how much is he going to talk about pillows and tacos? He's been talking about pillows and tacos for 20 minutes. Who <laughs> <laughs> thought that would be funny in that in the way that he does it? He just nails it. Yeah, yeah. His inflections are hysterical. Oh, oh totally. I love Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody there's nobody on the planet that can talk about food for an hour straight and it be that funny oh, his, his bit about how the success of kevin bacon yes is due had to, to his, do with his name he's like you're not going to see a kevin hot dog film <laughs> yes <laughs> oh man i the the the, the skit or the uh, bit that cracks me up the most is the camping bit do you remember that one? Oh, I don't remember that one. Where he's ta- oh, he's talking. Well, he says like several things, but he's like, "Have you ever noticed that that whenever somebody says somebody's uh, when, referring to a happy camper, it's always somebody's not a happy camper. Yes, yes. You you never you never hear somebody say, "Man, that person sure is a happy camper." <laughs> it's always that person is not a happy camper. <laughs> And he's, he's, he talks about how um, basically camping is, why don't I just wrap myself up in a burrito directly for these bears to eat? <laughs> like, just, oh, he's, I love Jim. The, I go back and li- I've listened to his, his stand-up album so many times. Like, I just go back and re-listen to them because they're just hysterical. Um, or like, he talks about bowling and about how bowling is the thing you do after you've done everything else. <laughs> <laughs> is that he's talking about professional bowlers like do not look yeah. like prof- you can't call them professional athletes because of how they yeah. look or something like that yeah <laughs> he's like most uh oh what was it um he was like most people who play professional sports or something like that look like they play play professional sports and then you've got people that are bowlers and they look like they've just been sitting in front of a tv their whole life <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's exactly, but it was something to that effect. Like the way, and he's he's like, but you gotta love bowling. No other sport can you be playing the sport and eating nachos at the same time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have his Beyond the Pale album. It is so good. It's so good. Oh, that's what the King hot Baby jokes King on it and stuff. Yeah, yeah, King Baby's King a good Baby's one too. Really good one too. But. <laughs> 
Uh, the last 15 minutes has just been us reciting comedians' jokes. Yeah, I know. It's, it's great. It's a total ripoff. <laughs> I'm glad I found somebody that loves stand-up comedy as much as I do. Because oh, I, don't, I don't know a lot of people that, that listen to stand-up comedy as, as much as I do. Yeah, um, I'd agree with but... that. It's like I can talk... I can talk a little bits, you know, with some people, like, especially because Netflix has so many specials on it. There's yeah. one on there that's, it's Ali Wong. It's called Baby Cobra. And she, that good? It's funny, but it's really dirty. Oh, is it? It okay. is very dirty. <laughs> Dude. Okay. So while we're in the vein of repeating jokes, she's talking about how <laughs> HPV, that everybody has it. And she's like, if you don't have HPV, you're a fucking loser. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> What the fuck premise is this? <laughs> and she's like eight months pregnant while she's doing this. Is she really? Yes. <laughs> and like, oh, this is, oh. <laughs> I don't, don't want to out anybody, but a guy I work with, we were talking about that special. And I shit you not, he goes, oh my God. He's like, she's just the perfect mix of pregnant and Asian. <laughs> No, but it's creepy. <laughs> I think it means he really likes pregnant women and Asians, and so he's like, "This is great." This is like his perfect fetish. Yeah, it's like I'm getting peanut butter and chocolate. <laughs> I didn't even know this was a thing. But for him, you know, for me, it's a Reese's peanut butter cup. For him, it's a pregnant Asian. What a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> he must just wear his kinks on his sleeve, right? <laughs> He's a good guy, man. That dude could write comedy. <laughs> I've heard him say, I mean, in every, like, he, he would be a dirty comic. <laughs> dude, okay. Okay, this is going to be maybe the dirtiest thing you've heard all day, but it's something that I've heard come out of this guy's mouth, so I'll share it with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Within the first month of working with this guy years and years ago, he says the phrase, man, I've jerked off in the shower so many times, I can't believe a baby hasn't crawled out of the drain yet. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my goodness! This is the grossest fucking thing! It's so disgusting! <laughs> I've never heard I've never heard anybody else say it, so I think it's an original thought and it's fucking fantastic. <laughs> you know, up until this point this has been a very clean show and earlier I even crossed my mind, I was like, I might not even have to put an explicit rating on this one. Definitely gonna have to now. Yeah. <laughs> that you do not want you, you know how the images you can't you know, get out of your mind i was gonna say that things you can't get out of your mind now i'm gonna have nightmares tonight you're welcome and you're welcome to all the listeners <laughs> for anybody who's still listening four hours into this yeah yeah you're officially the longest starcast episode my friend. yes that was my goal going into tonight was to be the longest one <laughs> You've blown the rest. Yeah, I mean, you've blown it away. I mean, we haven't had any come even close to touching four hours. I, think I can't believe how fast hours. it's gone, dude. 
I, I know. It doesn't feel like we've been talking for four hours. Uh, <laughs> Rebecca's was like three hours and 20 minutes, I think. So I, I, I've surpassed it pretty, pretty steeply. <laughs> Oh, you're gonna be throwing uh, down the gauntlet. <laughs> Next time she's gonna be on, she's like, "No, you're not letting me go." <laughs> oh, man. That's hilarious. Uh, so, are you into sports at all? Uh, not really. Like, I was when I was younger, but then, like, like when I was in middle school, I went out for every single sport and found reasons for every one of them that I didn't like them. <laughs> like all the way down to like football i kept twisting my ankles to basketball like one of the first days the coach bounced the ball off my head and everybody laughed and i was like fuck this <laughs> just walked out <laughs> but uh but now now it's like it's one of those things where people talk about it and it's like okay i can make a joke here and, and maybe make somebody laugh or maybe piss these guys off and so people are like you into sports i'm like nah i'm not into watching guys chase balls <laughs> but I think you are. <laughs> Only at the roller disco, okay? <laughs> oh man. <sighs> but, yeah, I mean, you know, I I was into sports when I was a little kid. I, like I used to collect baseball cards and stuff, but it was like the oh, older yeah. I got, the just kind of like the more detached I got from it. Yeah. Yeah, I was I man when I was a kid I was like I I'm still into sports. Like I love baseball. I love my my Chicago Cubbies. I love my Minnesota Vikings, but beyond beyond those two teams, like I mean, I'll watch other sports. I'm not a huge fan of NBA basketball. I'd much rather watch college basketball. Um I'm a huge Notre Dame Fighting Irish fan in in all sports. Um and uh but when I was a kid, I was that kid that like knew all the stats for like all the players like oh, wow. i could tell you tell you because i collected like basketball and football cards and i could tell you like what alan iverson averaged like how many steals alan iverson averaged over the past four years like wow. <laughs> like i was that that kid that like i would i would memorize the back of sports cards and just the statistics and stuff um and like i was like i my when i was younger my parents would get me sports illustrated for kids do you remember that magazine yeah so like that in the magazine they would have like cardboard cutout of um like sports cards in there um and i'd like memorize all those stats and i'd read sports illustrated for kids and then when i was got a little bit older they got me sports illustrated and like man i was i was like super into that but i feel like like the modern like where where everything is just a click away on your phone like no like you don't need that anymore where like no the kids are not i don't maybe they are because i still see them in stores but i feel like kids are not collecting basketball and football cards anymore and baseball cards like i i feel like it's not nearly as much of a thing as what it was back how old are you 36 okay uh, like back in like the 80s and 90s i feel like like collecting i mean it, it was it was i mean people have been collecting since the 50s but and even probably before that but um i feel like in the 80s and 90s there was like a lot of like sports card collecting and now it's just not the same. Like, I I mean, I've got rookie cards from, like, I mean, I've got a Michael Jordan rookie. I've got a LeBron James rookie. I've got, like, all these rookie cards that, like, back if I would have sold them back in the 90s, I would have gotten so much money for them. And now they're worth, like, pennies on the dollar for, for what they were worth back then. Yeah, I got uh, somewhere I've got the full 
it's somewhere in storage. I've got the full 1999 or 1991 Don Russ set for Major League Baseball. And I, oh, wow. I looked it up on because I got it for Christmas one year, and so it came in like the big box with all of them in it. And uh, I looked it up on eBay not that long ago. Shockingly, not very expensive. <laughs> how much? How much was it going for? <laughs> not even enough to warrant me going and digging through storage. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't even remember. It was so underwhelming. I was like, really? But I got the whole set. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Apparently, so do a lot of other people that are unloading them. <laughs> and then I was like, oh man, I had some Marvel cards at one time also, and I looked those up, and I didn't even have the full set. And I was like, wow, I guess I could buy the whole set for less than $30 on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Well, we should probably wrap uh, this up. <laughs> yeah. It, it's been fun, but it's like 1230 here, my time right now. <laughs> yeah, I was just looking at the clock and thinking of that. <laughs> well, uh, do you want to let folks know where they can find you? Uh, sure. So I do a podcast called the Joe Schmo Comic Show. It's a comic book culture podcast. Um, we talk about like movies and TV shows and comic books and all that kind of stuff. So you can find that, um, the Joe Schmo comic show.com. Um, you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter, TJS comic show. Um, and then I do another podcast called Flix Picks, which we're kind of on hiatus right now just because there's been a lot of things going on in the personal lives of, of us and then the other um, couple that we do the show with. But we're hoping to pick that up sometime in the near future. It's been it's been a tough one. We, we started it. We did about seven or eight episodes. Then we went on hiatus. Then we came back and did about five more episodes. And now we're on hiatus again. Um, but that's called Flix Picks, F-L-I-X, and then P-I-C-K-S. Um and then my my comic is hopefully I'm working on getting it on Comixology. Um, it usually takes about a month to two months to to get through that approval process. Um, so hopefully it'll be available digitally um, in the in the next couple months. Uh, but if anybody's interested in um, getting a copy of my comic book feel free to just send me an email um listeners of in the in the army you can just find me on facebook um but you can send me an email it's jared n gafford at gmail.com so just j-a-r-e-d-n as in nathan gafford g-a-f-f-o-r-d at gmail.com and we'll work something out right now i think for the physical copies i'm just going to kind of do a paypal thing where um people will just send me the money via paypal and then i'll ship it to them so um i think it it works better for me as a business to do it that way than to try to like host an Etsy site or, or, um, one of the store envy or one of those sites where they take a good chunk of what you're making. Um, so yeah, that's the, that's, I don't know. I mean, you can follow me on Twitter at Jared Gafford, but I, I'm not really on Twitter all that much anymore. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, right on man. But yeah, cool. Well, um, let's see. So uh, if you want to email StartCast, you can uh, hit me up at startcastpod at gmail.com. You can find my Facebook page. uh, Just search for StartCast. Uh, It's all one word, Um, S-T-A-R-K-C-A-S-T. You can tweet at me, kind of like Jared was just saying. I'm not on Twitter much, but you can still reach me there. I'm at the Tubby Ninja. <laughs> your your Twitter handle is amazing. <laughs> Every time I see that, it makes me laugh. <laughs> I was so happy I was able to get it. You know, that's originally what I was going to call this show 
instead of Starcast, I was going to call it the Tubby Ninja. Oh, and that would have been funny. And I did a web search, and somebody already has a, a podcast called Tubby Ninja, and it's hosted oh, really? by someone named Joe. And I was like, okay, <laughs> oh, that's, that's def- funny. Definitely can't do that. <laughs> I was like, like he, he tubby, got there first. Tubby is just a really funny word for like <laughs> for a, a chunky person. Like, <laughs> like, Tubby just makes me laugh. <laughs> well, that actually came out of I, – I climbed some route. Uh, and there was these dudes that, that were like non- your, is that like your street name, like your gangster name is like, Hey, you don't want to mess with tubby ninja. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Everybody would mess with tubby ninja <laughs> just on general tubby, principle. Tubby ninja is just Chris Farley. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I was climbing this route and there was these non climbers that were hanging out. And as I was lowering down, I was hearing the one guy talking and he was saying, like, oh, I didn't, I didn't think I'd be able to do this, but, but watching him do that, I know I can do this. I, I own my own business. And, <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> what does owning your own business have to do with climbing? And then my friends were kind of sticking up for me a little bit. They were like, no, dude, you couldn't climb this that he just did. It was, it'd be too technically difficult for you to do. You don't have a skill set to do it. And, yeah. and so then, you know, after the, those guys left, my friends were kind of like, can you believe that guy was like that brazenly just, and I was like, yeah, he's basically calling me fat. I was like, it's okay. <laughs> I was like, I've been dealing with this my whole life. Like that idiot's not going to rub me the wrong way. And I was like, and besides, I like that people are going to underestimate me. I'm like a tubby ninja. <laughs> and they started laughing. And then my, my buddy Troy's like, oh, I'm naming a route that. And I'm like, oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, it's stuck, and I'm glad I was able to get it for Twitter because it's it is kind of funny. <laughs> I thought for sure somebody else would have it, but I feel like I feel like you should find like an up and coming restaurant and have them name a sandwich the Tubby Ninja. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But yeah, man, thank you so much for coming on. This has been so much fun. Thanks for having me, um, uh, dude. Thank you for letting me read read your comic. That it was so so good and thank you man you thank should be you. very proud of it and and I'll, I'll be amazed if it if it doesn't go the distance i'll be amazed because it's good you you got you got a really good story there great team up with the art and um people definitely got to check that out thank you so much man <laughs> hell yeah man and uh we'll definitely have to get together and do this again Sometime. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, we'll have to. I'll have to have you on Joe Schmo sometime, and and we can we, when we figure out like a if there's a movie that's coming out that you really want to see or something like that, or or if there's a, a a comic book that you you really want to review that maybe you're not doing for Comic Cast, we'll we'll have to have you on and do that. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun, dude. And um, I, I know how much you like Alex and Ada. I just read the first volume of that, so it'd be kind of fun. Oh, my to, um um, I mean, you've probably you've probably talked about it on your show, being it's it's such a good one. But after I read the next two trades, you know, that'd be fun to talk about with you too. <laughs> yeah, dude. If not I, on a podcast, we'll be messaging about it for sure. Oh, totally. <laughs> Alex, I I've told you this. Alex and Anna may, may be my favorite book of all time. It's such a beautiful story, and just I'm just warning you. Be prepared for the waterworks come that third volume. I'd imagine. I, I I'm already worried. <laughs> <laughs> about what's going on because it's like oh i've got so much did hope you, for these characters but the world around them is is so did scary you, did you ever feel like you could be so attached to an ai before no yeah i didn't the, either i've never gotten that attached to characters that quickly like yeah. i was like three 
because I read the first three chapters of it on my lunch break at work, and then I was like, oh my gosh, I got to wait to read these last two until after work. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, it was it was good stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, we we've talked about it on Joe Schmo before. Like I talk about it all the time as it being one of my favorite books, but I don't know if we've ever actually done like a full review episode um, about it. So maybe that's something that we'll have to do. Um, and, and have you on for that. That'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be a blast, man. <laughs> okay. For well, sure. um, all right. Well, this has been, uh, wait a minute. How the hell do I do a sign off on this? <laughs> <laughs> okay. We've been doing okay. it for so long. You forgot. I know. <laughs> like, okay. Okay. I think I got it. <laughs> all right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, this has been Startcast.